just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky. This is the podcast that you're listening to, and I'm here with a rather sprightly Jess Perkins. Hello, Hello Jess. Dave. Hello. You've already uh, admitted you're quite hyperactive. Aren't I always, though? But don't worry. We've got someone that will counteract that, <laughs> your positive vibes, with possibly a vibes of death. It is our third mate here, Mr. Matt Stewart. Hello, Matt. Does that mean you count yourself as a mate? Yeah, I'm first mate. Oh, yeah, first mate. Get gotcha. right. This is a ship. This, okay. is a, this is a very fragile. If this, Matt if this was a ship, you'd be the seasick guy, wouldn't you? You yeah. are not. You are very under the weather. If I was a cartoon, I'd, my face would be green. No. With envy of uh, of the first mate. Of the first mate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, for the listeners, Matt is not feeling very well this week, but you have come to the podcast recording anyway, and we appreciate that a lot, Matt. And we don't, I mean, you know, of course, give him a little bit of sympathy, but not too much. It's self-inflicted. <laughs> All right, yeah, now we'll come Are you were That was making it sound like... Yeah, like he's not well. Like, what a, what a trooper is he with the flu? He's not. He's hung over. He's got a bucket next to him in case he hurls. <laughs> oh. That's genuinely in the studio. And if that happens, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it in the studio. I'd recommend taking it out. Oh, no. No, no. oh you'll be cleaning it out. <laughs> no, it'll be a reminder. We'll leave it there for, for weeks. Um, so what did you do last night, Matt? I went to the footy. And uh, your team won? Yes, they won, which and was good. Is that why you started drinking a lot, a lot more? Or would, if you lost, would you have drunk this much, do you reckon? It's hard to know. Pro- uh, yeah, probably either way, I guess. No, nah, probably celebratory drinks. I mean, you're either celebrating... Or commiserating. Or commiserating. 
Drink to some drink to remember, some drink to forget. And what, what did you do? What's that from? Like you two or something? Nah, I think it was Captain America. Captain America, great. <laughs> <laughs> or Bono, one of the two. One of the two. One of the two. I call him Captain America. So, but was it worth it, Matt? That's the question. Was it worth it? That's the question this week Wait, to what, get the podcast reported. No, I don't think, no, I don't think definitely it's, not. Yeah, not right now. No. But I think in another couple of days, you'll be able to look back on your weekend and be like, that was a fun night. The the night that I remember was was a lot of fun. But I, go. yeah, the last few hours, uh, not there in my brain. Oh, God. Right. Uh, and Jess, how was your night? I... Ate falafel chips and hummus. Oh, falafel chips! Uh, yeah, so like double chickpea, baby, double chickpea. Oh yeah. And then I went to I went to bed. <laughs> had a, had a glass of wine. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> I went to bed. Very that does jealous. Sounds so good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was pretty. I'm I'm really like I'm in that peak party age. I think you know, I'm in my mid twenties. Every weekend, baby. Every weekend. <laughs> every weekend is falafel chips, is hummus, is oh, wine, it's bed. They're all right. That does sound like a really great. It's nice and cozy. Sounds like a great oh, lifestyle. Cozy. Because it was cold last. Cozy's I don't like the, the cold. I get all cozy. Put on my little PJ pants that have snowflakes on them because I'm a cutie pants. <laughs> Do you wear them to bed? Yeah, they're pajama. Oh, pants. I can't wear pants long. She thought she put them on just for the evening. Yeah, like maybe around the house, but then again. when you get yeah. to bed, take the pants off because I my legs get hot. So yeah, and no, I'm a cold sleep. I'm really cold in my oh. sleep, so I I do wear right. clothes. Now we have to go around the table and say what we wear to bed. <laughs> Matt, uh, depends. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> last depends. Last. You just wear those old man <laughs> nappies. <laughs> <laughs> we're old man nappies. <laughs> It depends. Like normally, I'm I normally am pretty warm in bed under the cover, so I don't wear a lot. Nice. It's a very very <laughs> personal question, Dave. I just love the the little the little picture of our lives that the listener can paint from the f- four or five minutes at the start of every episode that they can yeah. sort of put this together and get a profile. We had someone comment on the um our logo, so we post the episode on Facebook every week. The logo comes up via the link, and someone just comments, "Which one of you is Dave?" <laughs> And I wrote back, uh, I'm in the bottom one in the logo. They they just wrote back, thanks. But like, <laughs> no, no, like, why they want to know which one is. Yeah. Like, do they like me? Do they, do am they I the one they like hate? Me. Or the one? It, yeah, it's interesting because if they have ever listened, I mean, you're you're always talked about as the little guy and I'm the bearded guy. I mean, it's relatively clear. <laughs> and then they were looking at Jess and I going, which one's the little guy? <laughs> oh, maybe yeah, maybe it was Jess they were thinking. Yeah. yeah. Thinking, which one of you Small is that? It just found, it's, in my head, it just sounded threatening. Which one's Dave? And I, yeah, I think they've asked twice as well. Really? Well, they're I trying to so. track you down. Yeah. I'm not sure. But also, like, they could have just looked up Dave Warnicky and... Because you have a comedian page with photos of you on it. There aren't so, a heap of Dave yeah. Warnickys about either. No, you, if you Google that, uh, my website comes up, DaveWarnicky.com. There's a few pictures on there and none of Jess, so which it's is not weird. confusing. Which is weird. It's, it's a, a strange one. It's a, stra- it's a huge oversight on your part, but yeah, no. I mean, if you don't want fans, fair enough. I, know, I don't want traffic. <laughs> I want to rename... I want to re- remain anonymous as I can, but also still have the domain DaveWarnicky.com. Of course, of course. The dream. That's anyway, the thanks to that guy for listening. No, thank you very much. And I believe when I stalked him on, on Facebook as sort of an attack to make sure he wasn't trying to come after me, he was listening in Pakistan. How cool is that? Amazing. Pretty cool. So hello to uh, our listener in Pakistan and anyone else who possibly is in there. If I'd love it if you yeah, are listening in a know. different country to tweet us or because we, we don't know the stats, we just get the overall downloads. We don't know where you're from. Yeah, let us know where you're from. That'd be really cool. I'd like be to cool. know that too. If you're in Finland or something, we've had a few Americans get in contact with us recently, which is really nice. 
Yeah. Um, I think we've got... Uh, Some Australians. Lots of Australians. Mostly uh, our friends. And oh, come on. There was also that other guy. <laughs> Meso's friends. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, tweet at us and let us know where you're from. That'd be really cool. Even on our Facebook page, too. That'd be nice. That would be cool. But, um... I digress, because we must get into this report, get it over and done with, with poor, for poor old Matthew in the corner there. Okay, Jess, it is your turn to do a report on a topic, and I believe that you have promised to dip into the, uh, the hat of listener-suggested topics. I have. I have dipped into the hat this time, and I have uh, chosen one that was suggested by Cormac, so who's at Aromatic Herbs on, on the Twitters. Big shout-out to Aromatic Herbs. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm glad you've embraced the hat finally, Jess. I love the hat. It's, been, it's taken quite a no, while. No, no, I've... Um, have you had it before? I have. Which one of yours was from the hat? No, I can't remember. Ned Kelly, was that the hat? Maybe. Or oh, there's been a couple that have... I've looked at the hat suggestions and then gone... And it's it's reminded me of something else I, I had oh, already written right. down myself. The oven's on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I've kind of half hatted. This is a full hat. Full hat. Right. So the question... I'm excited for a full hat episode from Jess. <laughs> Jess's full hat debut. The the uh, the question I have for you is: What was the worst disaster of the 20th century? Well, I've already covered Chernobyl. Mm, worst true. disaster of the 80s. Oh, have you done Chernobyl as well? Yeah, I've done Chernobyl. Awkward. Oh no! Did you forget that you sat there for an hour and a half while I talked about how a nuclear reactor works? Yeah, or did just... did you just think you had a, a fresh new take yeah. on it? <laughs> it's a hot new take. I've got uh, I've got new info. <laughs> it's not Chernobyl. Yeah, disregard everything you thought you knew about Chernobyl because <laughs> I've got the inside gossip. Uh, how about? Uh, World War Second II. War, Second World War. Ah, okay. jinx. <laughs> oh, no, I can't talk. Personal jinx. Is that? No. Yeah, I don't remember what personal jinx Who cre- was. That'd be a good report. Who created mm-hmm. jinx, jinx, personal jinx? I regret saying worst disaster because it's not quite on the scale of a world war, but it was a disaster. Okay. Um, world War One. Early. Uh, really <laughs> not on the scale of a world war. Before World War One. Early. So, like, early give us a year. Was it Australia federating? It was not Australia. I know, I know you're very anti-Australia <laughs> federating. Uh it was not that. Was it that time? No, that was in the 20th century. The time that um, that that Super Bowl um, clothing malfunction. Oh, uh, <laughs> Janet Jackson. The nipple came out. Yeah, was it that? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's yeah, that, that was in 19 in between, early 1900s. On the scale of uh, Nipplegate to World War Two, where does it sit? Some probably closer to World War Two. Oh, okay. Was it the Hindenburg? It yes, was, that's a good one. That is a good one. I've written that down for my own suggestions. Oh, the humanity. Later. No, okay, we're talking uh, 1912, if that rings any bells. It actually does. Does it? Yes. Is that when your great-grandparents were both born? <laughs> yeah, we Probably. have the same life. <laughs> we do the same life. Okay, you, you think... What 1912, because I remember the 100th anniversary of this event that I'm imagining. Oh, oh it? was it in 2012? Yes. Knew it. Gold Star <laughs> <laughs> in 2012. Um... Doctor well, Stage is really working. Doctor Stage. That's not a thing. It's Doctor Comedy. You're an idiot. Um, is it the sinking of the RMS Titanic? It is the Titanic. Very good. Yay. Why did you know that year off the top of your head? Uh, just because I remember the 100 year anniversary. Oh, yeah. Of you, it. Just, yeah. <laughs> you just explained. I've never listened so when you fine. speak. Yeah. Um, and Something about his of voice. Of course, we're celebrating the 104th anniversary, one of the major ones. Of course. A milestone. A big milestone. And anyone's like, well, if you live to 104, that is quite a milestone. Yeah. No, but you know, I like rounded numbers. So I would not be celebrating my 104th birthday as enthusiastically as my 100th or 105th. <laughs> and not just because you were bedridden. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, you assume. I'm, if I make it to 104, I'll be a sprightly 104-year-old. Don't you reckon? Yeah. I can imagine, imagine you at 104. Thank you. I guess. I don't know. I reckon you'll definitely die on a dance floor. <laughs> wow. At 107, so that's okay. Yeah. You'll, you'll dance all the way to the grave. That's so lovely. Yeah. I'm assuming you mean it in a nice way. At a stranger's bar mitzvah? At a stranger's like, bar mitzvah. Like, why are you there, Jess? She's 107. Let her go. All right. Well, from that, back to Thanks the... Thanks for breaking me out of that weird <laughs> yeah, that was adda, 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 thing adda. that was happening. Oh. Back to the tragedy of the Titanic, Matthew, please. Yes. Where I believe more than one person died. Uh, a few more. Yeah, a few more. What's your uh, what's your knowledge of the Titanic? Was it mostly from the film yeah, Titanic? From the film by that guy who made the film with James the blue Cameron. people. James Cameron. Great. He made the film with the what? The blue people. Matt's oh. firing on all cylinders today. He <laughs> thinks James Cameron directed Smurfs. The movie adaptation. Smurfs two. Smurfs two. Back in the Smurfs. Let's go. This time it. This time it's Smurfinal. Personal. Got it. Great, I, I just it. thought it was so good that I was like, I don't care, I'm saying this, I'm saying it. <laughs> this time it's Smurfinal. That's, that's brilliant. That's, that's, the, ha- that's, that's the hashtag. Hashtag, uh, I have seen this time it's Smurfinal. Sm- I have seen the James Cameron movie, but I've also been in the past a little obsessed with this topic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just a little bit very interesting. Okay, well, maybe you'll be able to um, bump in with some, some facts as I go along. Will there be fun facts in this episode? Look. Maybe not fun. Is there any mention of Clive Palmer? Oh, because he wanted to build one. He wanted to build the model. Full scale. Oh, that really, that was a, what a stretch that was. All right, so for overseas listeners, Clive Palmer, just imagine a big fat guy. He's an eccentric billionaire, pretty much bought his way into the Australian Senate, our parliament here, became a politician. Now he's decided to give that up. But Thankfully. He um, floated the idea of, one, building a giant park with dinosaurs, a la Jurassic Park, and two, uh, building a, a life-size replica of the Titanic. Yeah, he floated that idea. Ah, uh, ironic. I thought you intended that pun because it was fantastic. Um, yes. Unfortunately, that idea hit an iceberg. No, not you. Too soon. 104 <laughs> years is not enough. It's not enough. Come on, Matt. Have some respect. You know that. Have some respect for the I'm dead, like we, always the like we always yeah, do. Like we always do on this true, podcast. Jess. That's rich coming from you. Okay. So let's. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go. Let's, let's go, go back. back. The year. The year was 1909. I don't know. Well, that's when they started to build it. But anyway, before that. Um, so the name Titanic. You know what the word Titanic means, Matt? I think it just means. Oh. It means a big disaster. No, it just means big. It, it just means, means gigantic. Big. Titanic's just another word. Well, it's still a word. It's still a word. Yeah. It was Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think it now means disaster, though, right? Yeah, I think... It a is little bit, a... yeah. But Titanic just means oh, maybe gigantic not. as well. Yeah. And it was built in Belfast, in Ireland. So if you go to Ireland, you can get, like, shirts when that it's like, it was fine when it left here. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Classic. That's very good. It's so patronizing. Very good. Well done, Belfast. <laughs> Titanic was the second of three of these big ocean liners that were built by the British shipping company White Star Line. Um, and the first was the RMS Olympic, and the third was the HMHS Britannic. And HMHS stands for His Majesty's Hospital Ship. Just a little fun fact for you. RMS, so Titanic was the Royal Mail, Mail Ship. Ship. Oh. 
Mm. I there's didn't some, know that. There's some facts, fun facts about that too. The male element of it. Just Women and children first, right? Which is interesting for a male ship. <laughs> Boy. I'll pay that. I will. No, don't though. Don't encourage him. So the White Star Line had this increasing challenge from their, uh, from one of their, or a couple of their rivals. So there was um, Cunard, which was another UK um, shipping company, and they'd recently launched a couple of other uh, really big ships, and they were the fastest passenger ships then in service. Um, and there was also a, Ger- a couple of German lines that were sort of their their rivals. And White Star Line's chairman uh, J. Bruce Ismay preferred to compete on size rather than speed, so he proposed to commission a new class of liners that would be larger than anything that had ever gone before, as well as being the last word in comfort and luxury. Oh. So it wasn't about speed. That's luxury, I think, the last word in comfort and luxury. (laughs) Okay, I'll say that one. (laughs) Okay, he's fine. I call it luxury. (laughs) What? (laughs) And it's about... That's, it, that was the pitch meeting. It's a luxury boat. Huh? I'm in. Huh? How fast does it go? Pretty slow. Pretty slow, but it's but luxury. It's luxurious. Put me in for 20 million. Yeah. <laughs> right, so he was like, these are going to be fancy fucking boats. Nice. Real fancy. Now, they were constructed in Belfast uh, by the shipbuilders Harland and Wolfe. Who they had a long established relationship with White Star Line dating back to like the 1800s, uh, 1867 to be precise. Matt, I know you were thinking it. Yeah. What year though? He cut him off <laughs> just as he was about to speak. What year? Anyway. Um, now... I was not listening. Is that why you talked to me? Yeah. Okay, good. So I could see, <laughs> could see your eyes glazed right over. I was thinking of the bucket. Yeah. I am so interested. 1867. I've never heard a better year. Me either. I'm excited. I love it. Um, now, Harland and Wolf were given a lot of creative license in designing the ships for White Star Line. Now, the usual... <laughs> uh, creative license, Harland, but uh, we told you it was a boat. You've, <laughs> you've, built, you've, you've built a cricket pitch. I know you like cricket. I know it's... And it, yes, it's a luxurious cricket pitch, but, but again, please. I did request a boat. So, if, if you wanted to go I back... I call it a boat. <laughs> <laughs> want to come and play on my boat? <laughs> all right. Yeah, I love cricket. All right. That sounds like a weird pickup line. Hey, want to come and play on my boat? Is that what's the boat in that? Scenario? It's a boat. Okay, just cool. a wealthy guy with a yacht, right? And he's got a chess board set up. Ooh! Hey, baby, want to come and play on my boat? <laughs> no, thank you. Aww. Is my response. He's all lonely because he just wants somebody to play chess with. Anywho, so the usual approach was that uh, White Star would sort of sketch out a general concept. They'd be like, this is sort of what we want. And then Harland and Wolf would take that away and turn it into a ship design. And cost was relatively uh, low on their agenda. They were kind of like... Whatever no, it costs. Spare no expense. Wow. Uh, yeah. Do what do what you got to do to make it a top of notch. <laughs> not Italian. Neither was that accent. So How do the fine. Italians say a top notch? A top of notch. Uh, <clears throat> a CC. A lot of hand gestures, which is hard to convey on a podcast, which is all audio, isn't it? Yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> if I knew how to point. say do go on Italian, I would right now. Um, I don't know either. If, uh, you, if you do it jest style, you just put ah uh, at the start. I do go on. <laughs> oh, there it is. I don't know what she said, but it sounded good. Bellissimo. Va bene. Allora. So. Sta cosi cosi. Sta cosi cosi. Yeah, you got to do the hand gesture with cosi cosi. Um, so they put their leading designers to work, and, and they were uh, designing away as as they do. So this was for like all three ships. They were going to have three 
big motherfuckers. So, three, so they decided not they weren't just going to build one big one and they see how it goes. They, they were three. like, let's do three big ones. They're having three. And they had big plans for them too, which I will talk about as well. Um, so the design was overseen by Lord Peary, uh, a director of both Harland and Wolf and White Star Line. So he was kind of... Fingers in both fingers. I was exactly going to say those exact words. Get out of my head. <laughs> Get out of my pie. What am I thinking? <laughs> what am I thinking right David's now? a big pie man. Okay, I'm thinking of a number. What is it? Oh, pie. Pie. Is it pie? 3.14159. No. Is it 1914? No, it was six. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck, only 1,908 off. <laughs> God, we're close. That's some fast math. I should have probably specified a number from yeah, one to ten. Give me one. Okay, all right. Number from one to ten. Oh, see, the parameters. Seven. Four. Damn it. We're just I, I, I was thinking seven or four. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'll think a number between 1 and 10, but I won't tell you what it is and the listener will guess and they'll never know. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. Yeah, tell them. What that's is it? Mean. What is it? Is it three? It was nine. Damn it. We're not good Which at this. Which is three squared. Yeah. Ah, three threes. Are you are more right, if anything. And like three, six, nine. There's three of us. Synergy. That's what this podcast three is all both. about. Mathematical synergy. Please do go on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so he had, that guy had, Lord Peary had fingers in both pies. There was also naval architect Thomas Andrews, who was the managing director of Highland and Wolf's design department. Remember that name, Thomas Andrews. That may come back later. Mr. Thomas Andrews. Thomas Andrews. Is going on the pad. Then there was, there was also Edward Wilding, who was Andrews' deputy and responsible for calculating the ship's design, stability and trim. Are we making note of these people because they're going to get in a lot of trouble later because it's because it sounds like, yeah, they're the guy that designed everything. Oh, hang on. Noble mm. prizes, all of them. We, yeah. Noble <laughs> prizes. <laughs> a noble prize for you, sir. <laughs> and a noble mm-hmm. prize for you. Good day. No, Thomas, it's very close to a Nobel Prize, but just not quite as good. Thomas Andrews in particular, he, he comes around again later. Um, there was also Alexandra Carlyle. He was the shipyard's chief draftsman and general manager, and his responsibilities also included the decorations, equipment, and all general arrangements, including the implementation of an efficient lifeboat davit design. Oh, so he's the lifeboat designer. Mm. So the li- yeah, so lifeboat. Not so much designing lifeboats. I think they had. Boats covered. They know how to make a boat at the. Imagine that. We can make building. a ship that's 300 metres long, but a small one that floats. No idea. No Where idea. Where do I start? Where do, what do I do? How do I cut off 100, no, 299 metres of this boat? I don't know. So, you know, it it's was. The most that's what boat. they ended up doing, though. They yeah, just. Yeah. They just Chopped chopped off the front. Off. They made huge boats still. <laughs> Every lifeboat started as a ship. <laughs> they, just they just whittled it down. Whittled it down. Whittled it down. Because <laughs> they just couldn't figure it out. No, it wasn't so much about. Uh, the actual lifeboats themselves, but the davits are like the the um, cranks and stuff to lower them. Oh, okay. That that was what that was kind of his thing. Um, cranks. Cranks. Great word. Thank you. Uh, so on the 29th of July in 1908, Harland and Wolf presented the drawings to J. Bruce Ismay and other White Star Line executives, and they were approved. Uh, and he signed three. Letters of agreement two days later, authorising the start of construction. So this was for the three as well. So at, oh no, sorry. At this point, the first ship, which was which was later to become Olympic, it was called Olympic. It didn't have a name yet, but it was referred to simply as Number Four Hundred, as as it was Harland and Wolf's four hundredth hull. And Titanic was based on a revised version of the same design, and it was given the number four hundred one. Right. So they're very similar ships. Yeah, they are very similar. Yeah, just revised, um, but but yeah, very very similar. Now, how big was the boat? Do you know? 
I think my guess was just then was about 300 metres. It was 269 metres. 29 megatons. <laughs> okay, well, you're just being a bit silly, aren't you? I don't know. <laughs> 269 metres. 269.06, if we're what, being specific. What, if you think about that, how big that is, it's quite big. That's quite big. 269 metres. Although I used to do like, I used to do the 100 metre sprints at school. Do that two and a half times and you're still on the same boat. Yeah, but that's not that big. You know, like it wouldn't, it's not going to take you a full day to walk around it a couple of times, you know? The big boats these days are bigger, aren't they? Like, like the QE2 and stuff? Well, there's like way bigger oil tankers. Right. Oh, sure, yeah. But the luxury ones aren't? I don't know. All right, so I just looked up the Queen Elizabeth II, the QE2, and that is 293 metres. Right. So it's funny because I always sort of thought about the Titanic as being like too big, like that was their problem, but it wasn't necessarily the problem that it was just too big. It was just... But for the time, it's one of the biggest in the world. Yeah, it's still, like, it's huge. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it, no, it wasn't a problem of size and it, it wasn't even really, it wasn't a problem of structure or anything like that. There, this is one of those situations, kind of like when we were talking about Chernobyl, where it was just a series of bad decisions that kept right. happening that led to... Not good, you know, like, but, but structurally it was fine and, uh, yeah, it was big and it was very nice. It was a nice boat. Looked really good on the movie. Yeah. Ballrooms and shit. I believe they were quite accurate in the movie of the interior. Yeah. So like like that main staircase bit is. Yeah, exactly right. Actually what. The grand staircase. Yeah. Yeah, And I believe that no real photos exist of the actual staircase. They went off the plan of it. Wow. For the for the movie, oh, and wow. now people like refer to James Cameron's one as like the definitive because. Wow, that's impressive. Even though he's got smashed up as well in the the filming. Didn't mm. have, have they? Because you can go. I mean, you might go into this. Can you can you go visit the Titanic still? Is it still down there? It's still down there. Yeah. So you could go and have a look at the staircase, kind of in its current state. No, it got smashed to pieces. Really? And it's wood, so wood doesn't. Do well under a hundred years of water, right? Yeah. And th- it's completely doesn't seal it seal in the freshness. Sadly, no, it does not. Well, I've made a big mistake because I've brought a sandwich for later in a bucket of water <laughs> um, with the lid on, and I thought that was meant to keep in the goodness. A wooden box, though, and it was a wooden. box. Oh no, then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. No, you're fine. That's you're the stipulation. Um, but I feel like we're jumping ahead here to the disaster. Yeah. Let's all stay in the blissful yeah, ignorance of 19-whatever. So blissful it was. ignorance, it, this, is a, this is a big deal. It's a big ship. It's beautiful. And it cost around $7.5 million to build. That's back then as well. Which is a lot of cash. In today's money, that is $9.5 So you can, like, if, if that helps you understand yeah, how much good. it was. That's a pretty good, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you, yeah. Thank God that was here. So just to inflate for us. Oh, I will talk a little bit about... So all three of these Olympic-class ships had ten decks. Ten. That's a lot. So it's got, like, it's got layers, basically. The boat has layers. Oh, like an onion. Exactly. Uh, right, so just a little bit of, uh, little bit of what each is. So you've got the, the boat deck. This is from top to bottom. I right? like the boat deck. That the sounds, boat deck, yeah. That sounds ship Based. It sounds ship based. Yeah. What ship do you shape. think? What do you think would be stored on the boat deck? Oh, uh, the boats. Do they have a lifeboats on the left? Correct. Yeah, they do. Yes. So they sort of lined the sides of the deck, um, except in the first class area of the boat deck, where there was a gap so that the view would not be spoiled. Oh, of course. Why would you wor- worry about a bloody 
Well, yeah. You wouldn't want to ruin your view of like nothing but ocean for 6,000 mm. miles no. yeah. in a radius that. around you. So there was then the A deck, also called the promenade deck, and that extended along the entire length of the ship. Um, it was reserved exclusively for first-class passengers. It had first-class cabins, the lounge, smoke room, reading and writing rooms. Um, fancy. That's where Fancy. you guys would have been. Yeah. That you were Apple and East. East. Apple yeah. and East. Yeah. We would be there. We would definitely be in the, in the first class. You dickhead. <laughs> then we have the B deck or the bridge deck. Um, kind of less interesting. It's just where um, it's like the uppermost level of the hull. There's a lot of terms in here that I don't understand. I'm just letting you know that now. So don't ask any questions. Google it yourselves. Um, so, so the hull is like the outside of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um Next was B deck or the bridge deck. Um, so this is where there was more first class passenger accommodation, and there was also six palatial state rooms, which were like well, like private cabins. Personally, I just love the word palatial. Palatial, palatial. great. They had their own private little promenades, and on Titanic, they also had an à la carte restaurant and the Café Parisien, which provided luxury dining facilities to first class passengers. That means uh, Café Paris. Cafe oh. means cafe. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> cafe, cafe, uh, Parisian, Parisian, Paris. Paris person. Like. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Then there was C. Good. Sorry. Oh, my God. I'm going to move the mic away. No, I liked that. Yeah, that was very funny. It's funny. That. Just cafe do it. means cafe. So don't lose confidence. Shut up. We laughed at your joke. I just keep talking over you, Jess. You, but you will do every time. So yeah, what's Matt. different? Except <laughs> no. so this time you have a headache. That's the only difference. <laughs> Sea deck was a shelter deck. Um, nothing all that interesting happening there by the sounds of it. Just a bit of sheltering. Then we had the D deck. <laughs> oh. Is this uh, not first class anymore? Well, not really. Uh, it kind of had... Well, actually, yeah. It's interesting because it was kind of split because it sort of... It was um, had these three large public rooms. So it had the first class reception room, a first class dining saloon, and the second class dining saloon. So they're kind of... It's weird how they break things up because even as you move further down, there's still like first class accommodation further down, but there's also like second and third class. Right. So first class have... Just stuff everywhere. Yeah, they're kind of mixed up a little bit, and that's fine. But there's no second or third people at the top. That's really the exactly is that right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly right. And there was on the um, on the D deck, there was still like this open space provided for first for third class passengers, which I like to imagine just like a like a paddock. You know, when they say open space, it's just like free range. It's just an empty room. Like off you go. It's like yeah, like the jail. Occupy open, yourselves. What do they call it? The jail yard or whatever. A jail yeah. yard. Is that is that... What do they call the jail yard? Probably a jail yard. Jail yard. Mm. Jarred. Another fine contribution. <laughs> Another, uh, speaking from experience there, the many times Matt has been to jail. Yeah. Spent that time in the jail yard. Yeah. Sorry, boys, I'll be out in the jail yard if you need me. Catch you later. Because you can just roam freely? Yeah, free range jail. <laughs> what did you go to jail for? Um, I picked up a dog against its will. <laughs> dog harasser. Put me down. <laughs> Wiggled around a lot. It looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> Barked at me. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, there was a copper <laughs> watching from across the road. Slow day for that police officer. <laughs> it was his dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also broken into his house. <laughs> and murdered his wife. Yeah. But just afterwards, but um, they as dropped, I was dancing they the on the corpse, ones. I was holding his dog. 
and the dog was not comfortable. And that's really what, and that's really what he took issue with. Yeah, above all else, that was a plea bargain. He said, "I'm willing to drop, drop the murder charge on my wife, but I cannot let this slip." <laughs> Guys, I've got a feeling that that is a true story. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us from prison, Matt. No worries. Prison, that was prison talk with Matt Stewart. <laughs> so we're on the D-deck in Matt's jail yard. Picked up a dog against its will. He was not happy. He was not happy. Furious, I reckon. Did you have to pay damages as well? Yeah. yeah. The, the dog is living a, a pretty comfortable life. Did, but did the dog need quite a bit of therapy, though? Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, sure... The dog is living in, in, in luxury now, but, I mean, that mental scarring, you know, no money can take that away. Well, speaking of luxury living and mental scarring, back to oh, the Titanic. Oh, what a combo. That's actually very true. <laughs> a lot of rich people are about to get scarred forever. Yeah, or dead, um, which is the same. You know, they're still scarred forever if they're dead, because you're dead forever. True. So... Oh, it's, it's a- it's like a behind-the-scenes prison podcast, a philosophy mm. podcast. We've really covered it all here at well. Dugoon. Um, so under the D deck, we've got the E deck. Um, Is it getting shitter and shitter? Am I kind of? Not? Yeah. No, we're not. We're not quite shit yet. It's still okay because this. That's is, five. Of, you said ten. This is only fifth. I know. So there's um, uh, this is sort of predominantly used for accommodation, but it's for all three classes. Plus there's berths for cooks, seamen, stewards, and coal trimmers. You want to laugh at seamen? I could say that you wanted to. (laughs) Did you see that I pulled it together and that I was really proud of myself and now I've acknowledged it anyway? Yes. They're just men on the sea. It's got nothing else, guys. Anywho. I want to hear more about the coal trimmers. Coal trimmers. They're just the ones who shovel in some coal. It's not that exciting. I looked it up in case it was something interesting, but it's just... They just shovel the coal in. Well, that that sounds like a horrible job. Yeah, I don't think it'd be fun. Then there was F deck. F deck. It's fun to say. Is it F for fucked? Is it bad? Nah. It's it was also oh. called the middle deck. Do you reckon a whole level devoted to fucking would be bad, Dave? <laughs> nah. Come on, mate. It's the fuck deck. <laughs> this is the, the, fun, the, the fun fucking deck. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the fuck deck. I think I might, uh, I think earlier today I was, you know what, my, what's your plan for today? I'm going to head down to the pool, then I might go to uh, Cafe Prussien for some brunch, and then I'm going to head to Fuck Deck for a couple hours. What are oh, you going to do? See you there. <laughs> fuck Deck, what's that mean in French? Yeah, Fuck Deck. Oh. Fuck Deck. Oh. All right. Uh, fuck means fuck. <laughs> anyway, so on F Deck, that was uh, mostly accommodation for second and third class passengers. Um, the third class dining saloon was there, and there was the swimming pool and the Turkish bath. Oh, now mm-hmm. you're talking. Mm-hmm. They got like a little so sauna. Is, and has everyone got access to this? Or, I it's... think that's mostly for first class passengers. Oh, okay, right. Uh, in fact, to, I think it is. Yeah. It's to taunt the second and third class passengers. Yeah, that it's just sitting right there. That's pretty shitty. Um, G deck, we're getting right to the bottom now. So G deck was the lowest complete deck um, so that carried passengers. So it had like lowest portholes that were just above the waterline. This was also where the squash court was located. <laughs> Along with the travelling post office. Ah, the whole point of the ship. Because they were a mail ship. So they had a post office where letters and parcels were sorted, ready for delivery when the ship docked. I want to talk more about the squash court, because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, they've got so much. And I'm going to talk too about like the things that they have on the ship, because it's pretty fancy. Um, and then b- below that, it was mostly just, obviously, storage and um, 
you know, turbines and engines and the boring stuff underneath that. So um, the passenger facilities aboard Titanic aimed to meet the highest standard of luxury. So they're like, basically, I think their idea was that instead of it being, uh, you know, like other passenger liners, this one was the idea that was that it would feel like a, a, ho- a floating hotel rather than a ship. Right, so it's a holiday on the way to your holiday yeah. or your new life. That's a great way of putting it, absolutely. Because, yeah, a lot of people were, like, leaving to go start a new life in America. So, yeah, they were taking everything with them. Other people, it was like a holiday. Um, so, yeah, the, their idea was that it was like a floating a floating hotel. And so the uh, it had a variety of, of decorative styles, which sort of ranged from Renaissance. Matt, I know you're a big Renaissance man. I'm a Renaissance man. We love it. Jack of all trades. To Victorian. Dave, I know you're really more of a Victorian style oh, kind of guy. I'm very into Victorian. Actually, I'm more into Art Deco, which is sort of just after this period, but anyway. Okay. All right, mate. I'm a bit into Baroque. Is there any Baroque on board? Satisfying no. all tastes? No. no. Sadly, Sorry, no. But, you know. But there is a Turkish bath. There's a Turkish bath. So, you got that. Which is, some would describe as a delight. A Turkish delight. Now, if you were on a... <laughs> If you were on a cruise, what kind of facilities would you like to have available to you? If I was like a modern cruise or a 1912 cruise? Well, bed. Okay, good. Bath. Uh huh. Table. <laughs> uh, Bedside table? Cr- cricket pitch. Cricket pitch. Uh, I like a clock radio. Okay. Would you like a light? Uh, take it or leave it. Okay. Um, happy to celebrate in the day. <laughs> uh, mattress for the bed. Sure. Pillows. Sheets. That's I mean, funny. is that implied? Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to ask. I assumed but yes, it I, was implied, I but I haven't implied. filled that out on my form and now I'm looking like a mattressless. I reckon um, some sort of iceberg proofed hull. Interesting. Interesting uh, requirement. Uh, I'm afraid we can do nine out of ten of those for you, Matt. Yeah. I'd like some edgy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't think they had a lot of entertainment. Hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. Do you play squash? Yeah, what about uh, squash? I've, I've squashed before. I'm happy to squash again. Okay, so well, I hope you'd be I hope you'd be happy with these facilities because passengers could could use an onboard telephone system. Oh. Ooh, onboard, much better than Off-board. those other ships Off-board. who had them out in the water. dive in. You could jump on the old blower. Yeah, and they had a phone. They had a phone system. There was also a lending library where you could borrow some books, which is just Ooh. a library, really, yeah. isn't it? But I think rather than you know. A buying library, or a, or just a, a, a room. Shop. Yeah, it was a, it was a library. They had a large barber shop. The first class section had That's a swimming correct. pool, gymnasium, a squash court, Turkish bath, an electric bath, which I googled, and that's basically <laughs> a tanning bed. Huh. But they called it an electric bath. Electric bath, but, but they were there was co- no water. No, no, no. But they were like tanning beds. They were, they were early models of tanning beds, which is kind of cool. I'd utilize a lot of these things, I reckon. Do you reckon? What would you... A squash court? Turkish yeah. bath? Go for a bit of a sauna? I'd go for a... Get to the barber. Swim? Go for have a swim. swim. Put a gym? Yeah. All that stuff sounds great. Sounds pretty good. I'm but, into it. Mm. I'd go on that. And yeah. It sounds, it sounds really great, especially if you're in this first class area. Yeah. yeah. First class sounds pretty good. Second class was still not bad. Third class... Um, they weren't... So, like... The third class accommodation on the Titanic, they weren't as luxury as first class, obviously. But even so, they were so much better than uh, on many other ships of the time. Like, the, the third class was still a big step up. Yeah, like, I have heard that it's not as shit as we would imagine. It's still not incredible, obviously. But I reckon, you think about it more like staying in a hostel when you're backpacking. Yeah. Like Probably would have been more fun. But they would either have, yeah, like... Yeah, they'd have a great time. Oh, yeah, they probably did. And... um. 
on most other like North Atlantic passenger ships at the time, third class accommodation was just like open dorms. Um, hundreds of people were confined into small spaces. Not often they didn't have adequate food or toilet facilities, but um, the White Star Line had had broken that mould. So oh dear, I just realised that Matt forgot to ask for a toilet on his ship. Oh, sucked in, Matt. Oh. You're shitting off the boat. <laughs> Is it too late to ask for a bucket? <laughs> You've got your bucket, mate. It's a multi-purpose bucket. Byo, byo bucket. No, yeah. Could I get a, a toilet, please, as well? Yeah. No. Look. Shower, full bathroom facilities. Thank you. Ensuite. We haven't. We haven't closed the request list. So you can okay. still make oh, good, requests. Good. It's fine. Thanks, Dave. So White Star is so luxurious that they're everyone's. They, they everyone want can shit luxury. That's basically it. everyone can shit, which is great. Um, and what's interesting <laughs> is, that is their motto? yeah, White Star <laughs> Lines. Everyone can shit. They um they divided their third class accommodation into two sections, always at opposite ends of the vessel from one another. So that the, the idea there was that um, all the single men were sent off to one side. All the single men. All, <laughs> all the, the single, single men. men. And then all the single ladies and like the families or um. Couples I will not sing it again. So families and with that. And so- and and unattached women, also known as. All the single women. All the single spinsters. women. Spinsters. Also they, known. They- they used to be known as, yeah. Spinsters. Spinsters. They could have been just what is, young. What spinster, spinster was like mean? an older single uh, woman. These are young. Spinsters maybe. like a... Well, they could be spinsters. Is that because know. they use that old spinning thing with wool? I think you're just making shit up now. Oh, I was making up a question. <laughs> I don't know where the term spinster comes from. Oh, well, okay. So, um, <laughs> in addition, while other other ships only had that open berth sleeping arrangement, so it was just all kind of all for none, just bunks everywhere. Yep. Um, the White Star Line vessels had their third-class passengers with private, small but comfortable cabins, which were capable of accommodating two, four, six, eight, and ten passengers. So it is pretty much like staying in a hostel where you can have like a private room for just two people or it could be like in a four-bed dorm or it could be up to a ten-bed dorm. Or... Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it actually wasn't too bad. I mean, it's still like it's still third-class and it's still significantly less impressive than first-class, but... It's still it's better than it was on any other ship. Would you say from what you read that first class is like, like crazy over the top? You don't need it. Third class is like meh. But would second class be a nice little middle ground? Yeah, like I reckon. Like an average, you know how like first. Of course, third class isn't as good as first class, but first class is so extravagant that no one really needs any of that stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, no one needs marble in their in their bedroom. But marble. they they marble comics. Yeah, no marble. Oh, marble. But they, they were very wealthy. <laughs> no one needs marble chocolate in their bedroom. I will not allow it. But the first class passengers were all, you know, bajillionaires anyway. So they were used to a certain lifestyle, David. Mm. And just because they're on the sea, just because they're on, on, a, on, on a holiday, doesn't mean that they can't still have that first class lifestyle. Yeah, well, I hope they all drown. They do. Oh, good. <laughs> um now, third class accommodation also included their own dining rooms as well as like public gathering areas. They call them, which is like I'm imagining it's empty a rec, rooms, direct room. Yeah, so like it, it was, it was pretty good. Um, this is kind of interesting. So a passenger list was published before sailing to inform the public, you know, which members of the great and good were on board. I like that, the great and good, right? So there was like it was a, the passenger list was published, and it was not uncommon for ambitious mothers to use the list to identify rich bachelors to whom they could introduce their their uh, their daughters to during the voyage. Oh, which is also a little bit That's like the film Titanic. Exactly, and the more I read, I the more she's I was very like, poor, trying to marry that 
rich yeah. guy. The mum's oh. trying to pressure her into marrying. But were they? They were first class still. Like I think they, they didn't have their fortune had. I think it was dwindling. Dwindling, yeah. Dwindling fortune. So it's like go marry that wealthy man. Yeah, I think exactly. maybe her father had died or something like that. Something that like was that. alone. And that was now. Billy Zane, was it? Yeah, yes. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Oh, wow. And like the more that you read, the more that you're like, oh, the movie was actually kind of accurate. <laughs> right, but I don't think Jack and Rose are real people. No, they are. They're 100 percent are. They're real in my heart. <laughs> Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio said Jack. I can't believe that we it took that long for me to sing that. I know. I've been wanting to for the last what was, minutes. What was that? My heart will go on. Oh. Celine Dion. The, the, the fucking panpipes that everyone at home is like, there's not a dry eye in the house. After, wow. after they, have you seen the film? I have. I saw it twice. Twice, that's it. I've seen it. Wait, have you seen it more than twice? Yeah, easily. Wow. Because it's been out since like 1997. Yeah. Which was nearly 20... Did you see it at the cinema? Years ago. No, we were too young. I saw it at the cinema. I remember my mum went with some Holy work friends. Holy shit, I cried. I was so terrified in the cinema when they're... When the... Spoiler. The ship goes down and then um, she goes back underneath to rescue him. And they're like trying to swim oh, out. Oh, yeah, that was... That's terrifying that for a terrifying. seven-year-old... Mum and dad. And when God. the guy's like got the door closed on them and he won't, it won't open it for them, or well, they can't find keys. Anyway, <laughs> one of the Titan- Titanic's most distinctive features, which what we were talking about before, was the first class staircase known as the Grand Staircase oh. or Grand Stairway. Now, this descended through seven decks of the ship. Did you know it was that big? It's like crazy. It I went all Im- the way down. I can't even imagine mm. a, a staircase that, like, yeah. that grand being that big. It's beautiful. So it went from boat deck down to E deck. Um, and uh, and it was in that sort of elegant style that's depicted in photos and movies. Um, and then and then with that, that that clock, the clock yeah, in the main bit so, with yeah, the, yeah. the roof over. Oh man, it's I'm beautiful. Not any well, that's of it. This. Yeah, it had it had a dome with wrought iron and glass that had like natural light coming in. It would have been incredible. It would have been beautiful. You don't remember that? No. Okay. Well, Google it's definitely, the picture. Definitely Wait, the film. Does the movie hold up? Would you watch it again? I mean, you've watched it more than twice. I obviously. think I will probably go home and watch it tonight, and I'll let you know. Okay. I've watched it, I watched it twice at the movies is what I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I don't think I have seen it since. I, I just have very little memory of it. Okay. Yeah, it was like nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, My God, it is. Yeah, next year. God, we'll have a bloody party for that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. God, that party would be insane in the brain. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. No, I I've got it. I've thinking about that for like 10 you. minutes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it out. We all have to have as many Billy Zane jokes yeah. as we can. Do with that what you will, listeners. I don't care. I just don't Honestly, care. Honestly, I liked it until I knew you'd been working on it. Hashtag Zane in the Zane. It's just been in my head and I just saw an opportunity. I went for it. That is what a great comedian does. <laughs> oh, are you, wait, are you saying what you're a, a comedian you're does. You're saying you're a great comedian. Uh, in the world of Billy Zane jokes, I'm second to none. Oh, second yeah. to one. Billy Zane himself. <laughs> he's great. Self-deprecating humor is what he's all about. He was in Back to the Future. This is the second Billy Zane-related episode. My God. Really? I mean, it's a it's a stretch. Also, if you imagine him with a beard on, he looks a bit like Ned Kelly. Okay, can we? Can I, I go it. on? <laughs> Please do go on. <laughs> um, now, although Titanic was obviously primarily a passenger liner, she also carried a substantial amount of cargo, and her designation as a Royal Mail ship, as we mentioned before, indicated that she carried mail under contract with the Royal Mail and also for the United States Post Office Department because she's going between, you know, the UK and America. Um, now, for the storage of letters, parcels, and, and other things, uh, they had this huge space in her holds. It was like tw- uh, 26,800 cubic feet, which is 760 metres cubed. <laughs> How many megatons is that? I don't know. 
don't, I don't understand any of these things. 4.7. Great. It's big, I guess. Um, now, what I really like is that um, the C post office on G deck was manned by five postal clerks, three Americans and two Britons, who worked 13 hours a day, seven days a week, sorting up to 60,000 items daily. Wow. Oh, no. What I don't understand is where is all the mail yeah, coming where's from? The, where's <laughs> the new stuff coming from? from? Or is it they just sorting the like, boat? what's already on there? I don't know. Maybe they just like shoved it all on. But, yeah, they started. Hit, here's 600,000 items. By the time it gets to the other side, I want it all stacked neatly. And if not, yeah. you're doing overtime I mean, you've in got New to, York. You've got to like Are people sending postcards on the ship maybe? But it's like just hold on to it and send it when you get there. I don't really understand it That's either. That's a but very good point. They had postal clerks specifically just to do that, which I really like. Um, now, passengers. Right, so Titanic's passenger numbers are a little iffy. Sometimes they're not actually 100% sure on... Oh, I thought we had the list. Of the list of passengers. Yeah, I'm going to read out all of the passengers. No, that but you was said the that first they published... Class, first class. Yeah, they published in advance who was going to be there. Yeah, Which okay, these no, days no. would be a, a horrific security breach. Yeah. Oh, it's like, awful. You've got the president of South Africa on there. You've got the, well, you know, the princess got some... of Monaco. You're like, all right, well, we can attack that ship. No, totally. And, and, With an yeah, iceberg. You do have some big names, so it's weird. <laughs> Inside job. <laughs> It's an inside job. No, but what I mean is the exact number of people aboard isn't known, as not all of those people that have booked tickets made it to the ship. Oh. About 50 people cancelled for various reasons. I imagine you'd be celebrating pretty hard on social media these days if you didn't make it. Big time. Do you reckon you'd be celebrating? Yep. You'd be bragging. No, you'd be doing... You'd be, hash- you'd be hashtag blessed, that's for sure. Yeah, and you'd be doing articles with news.com.au. Big time, big time. Right, so like people cancel for very re- various reasons. Not all those who boarded stayed aboard the whole time because they did make a couple of stops um, at the very beginning of their journey. So like they're, they're not really sure on exactly how many people were on board, which is so strange. But these approximate numbers, are there was a total of about 1,300 people which was 324 in first class, 284 in second class, and 709 in third class. So a lot more third class than any than any others. Right. And of these, about 66% were male, 34% female. There was 107 children, and most of the kids, I think at least 50% or slightly more were, of the kids were in third class. Okay. Uh... Right? Plus there's a lot of people working, is that what you... Yeah, plus there's uh, a lot of... Uh, of staff and crew as well. Do you want to know how much it would have cost? Oh, to get to... Yeah, to, to get a ticket? Yeah. No, no thanks. <laughs> okay, so next... Direct, direct, uh, <laughs> no, direct your answers to me. Okay, so the fair, fares varied um, depending on class and season. I don't really know what they mean by season because it was the maiden voyage, but maybe... Oh, they planned more than one voyage. Oh, they planned... Heaps, right? They You can still... There's still a record of all of you, her voyage. You can voyages. still book a ticket. They... <laughs> They released the 2020 schedule just last week. Oh, my God. Because uh, uh, we were talking about either 2019 or 2020. We're thinking 2020. Sh- 20, guys, 2020, are we yeah. going? Titanic 2020. T- hashtag Titanic 2020. I'm in. You're got, in? We've got a good feeling. Family trip. We'll be doing our first live podcast, 2020, the Titan- from the Titanic. Aww. No matter where she is. And I haven't do, done my research. It's weird to do a live podcast four years into doing a podcast. Like, it's when we first do one. Do you reckon we'll still be going in 2020? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's all right? Would it be... <laughs> yes. Um, doing a live podcast to celebrate so much so much death? We're not celebrating. We're on, a, we're on a trip together. We're taking a holiday to celebrate. Anyway, you always ruin it. Back to the fairs. And no, how much you won me over. I'm on board. Hooray! Let's go. I'll see you on the fuck deck. 
<laughs> Fuck deck three o'clock. All right. So the fairs, they, they did vary depending on class. So the third class fair from London. Um, oh, so if from London, Southampton or Queenstown. Queenstown's in Ireland. So those third class fairs cost seven pound, which equivalent today would be like $647 a pound, sorry, which is double it for Australian dollars. So, so $647 pounds is what a third class ticket would pay, cost today. Because that's still a lot of money. Yeah, but like it's... These people aren't dirt poor is what I'm trying to say. It's Well, it's a it's a long journey too though. Yeah, well, how, sorry, how much is it in today's money? Like about 1300 Australian yeah. Imagine getting $600 flights to London. Well, I just paid seventeen hundred for mm. return. Return. That's uh, probably kind of yeah, adds true. up to a cheapish flight. Mm. Yeah, and I, I am so. going third class technically. It's economy. All right. Yeah. yeah. Shit. You're right. Me too. I paid about the same. And I always pictured you guys as first class travellers. <laughs> All right. First class. What's the damage? The cheapest first class fare that you could get would have cost twenty three pound, which today would would be two thousand pound. So four grand. That's oh, I could afford that. pretty reasonable. I thought it was going to be a, a like forty thousand dollars. Yeah, but is there? Is that that's the worst of the first? That's yeah, the cheapest first class. <laughs> worst the, of the. That, to be honest, if there's a, a phrase that sums up my life, it's worst of the first. <laughs> and so, but the most expensive first class suite, just to give you an idea, because so far you've been going whatever I could afford that. Okay, here we go. The most expensive uh would have cost up to eight hundred and seventy pound. Oh my god, which is seventy seven thousand pound today. Right. Wow, so hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Can you afford that one, Dave? Well, well I'll have to, to do an extra shift next week. Because yes. I do an extra shift that make us so much money. Yep. You've got an accent too, by the way. Oh my God. It doesn't sound like that in my headphones, but you are a master <laughs> mimic, so I, I concede. Now, usually, um, you know, something so prestigious like, like the Titanic on its maiden voyage, you'd expect it to be fully booked. <laughs> I just had a little snooze. No, that was a, that was a churn. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, like, usually now a, a, quite a prestigious vessel like the Titanic, maiden voyage, it's exciting. You'd expect it to be, to be like, fully booked, right? Yeah, like, it, well in advance. Packed, right? Would well... It- However, there was a national coal strike in the UK and that had caused considerable disruption to shipping schedules and also uh, like so a lot of things were cancelled and many would-be passengers chose to postpone their travel plans until the strike was over. And the strike finished a few days before Titanic sailed. <laughs> like, oh, so that cost ticket sales, did it? Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't at capacity. So do you know like what kind of percentage of it was sold? I think it was around half full. Oh right, so yeah, I would have. There's I would not have expected that. I thought it would have been packed. You right? know, wait, waiting, more than half, but... waiting room only. That's yeah. not standing room only. Waiting room only. You know, like when you go to the doctors, this is waiting room. And they're only? like they're booked out, so you can just watch the doctor from the waiting room only. <laughs> but hopefully, it'll make you feel better by association. Yeah. So they, you know, how we were saying before that, like they had big plans for Titanic. They got big plans for this boat, and the maiden voyage was intended to be the first of many transatlantic crossings between Southampton and New York, um, stopping in uh, France and Ireland for, to pick people up. And uh, when it was established, there was going to be four ships assigned to the service, and each would sail once every three weeks, um, usually leaving at noon each Wednesday. So the idea was basically that um, eventually they'd, they'd pretty much be able to have a, like a weekly sail in, in each direction. 
So like people could just sort of come and go. Oh, that was their plan. Right. Like so it was, all the time it's just yeah, like yeah. doing a circle. Yeah, basically. So there's just going to be on a rotation. They were just always moving. There was even special trains that were scheduled from London to Paris to convey um, passengers to Southampton and and their French dock as well so they could, you know, get on get on the ship. And there was also a deep water dock built at Southampton specifically constructed to accommodate those ships and it had opened in 1911. So they're like, they've got big plans for it. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, but it was going to be like, it was going to be huge. Yeah, they're going to make a lot of money. It wasn't just like one fancy ship. It was going to be this big, it was going to change like the way that they transported people and and the the frequency with which they did it, which is kind of cool. Now, the Titanic also had around 885 crew members on board for her maiden voyage. Um, That's a lot of crew. A That's a spicy meatball. That's a spicy meatball. That was. They were all uh, obviously under the the watchful and uh, caring eye of Captain Edward John Smith. Oh, that's old white beard. Sounds like a fake right. name, Edward John Smith. Um, he was the most senior of the White Star Line's captains. He was transferred from Olympic, their, their first um, their first big ship, <laughs> to take command of the Titanic. And they, he also brought along Henry Tingle Wild, which is pretty cool, to take the post of chief mate. Chief mate's a cool title. That is a cool title. Chief mate. Well, I said first mate before, but I would like to change my rank to chief mate. Very okay. good. What does, what does that mean? I'm second mate now. You can be captain. You can be captain. You got the beard for it. Oh, I'm captain. Yeah. I'm in. Hey, did he ever regret driving the ship into the iceberg? I reckon he might have. Because <laughs> it was an interesting tactic. I think. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was that his theory? Was it... just like, look, you know what? We'll just this, we're in a big ship. Let's just push through it. I don't think it was really a decision that I was he was playing made. chicken. Yeah, and he thought that the iceberg would bail. Yeah. Well, that well, was it, your first. It wasn't mistake. really his decision, but we will probably. I think when I'm talking about the Titanic, I'm going to mention him again. What happened there? So he'll come back. I'll, I'll get to that. Okay, I love I love your different little takes on topics. Yeah, I know. I you take... always take it in a direction I don't see. Yeah, coming. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm like. You know what I'm like. I know what you're like. <laughs> I want to know what you're like. What? Oh man, I'm no good. Fading. So <laughs> help. So I'll just keep going then. Yes, please. So um, all of the crew, uh, or most of the crew signed on in Southampton uh, and um, 40% of the crew were from that that town. They were from Southampton. So they were mostly English. Um, Few specialist staffs were self-employed or were subcontracted. So that's like uh, the the postal workers, um, the staff of the first class a la carte restaurant and Café Parisienne. Um, they were sort of oh. they were subcontractors, if you will. The radio operators. So, so they're from the subcontinent. subcontinent. No. no, subcontractors. There was also radio operators and the eight musicians. Um, they were all employed by an agency, and they travelled as second-class passengers. So they could. It's kind of like when you talk to our comedian friends who go on cruises. It's, it sounds kind of similar. Yeah. So was that? So there was people that uh, subcontractors. They're not necessarily. Staff, All kind the of time. like well, musicians. That makes sense. You know, they're not going to be, you know, cleaning bedrooms at the same time as, you know, playing their violins. Now, um, the crew pay varied a lot as well. So Captain Smith made a uh, hundred and five pound a month, equivalent today of about nine thousand pound a month. That's good money. That's good money. It's pretty good money. But you got a big ship. Yeah, not bad. And uh, the the lowest was probably about three pound, which would be three hundred dollars a three hundred pound a month, 
That was for like the stewardesses. Still. Oh, that's a month, not a week. Three hundred okay. pound a month. Oh, I thought you meant a week. I'm like, that's pretty good money. Yeah, it even back, but no, a month. You got to remember though that potato cakes back then cost one p. Oh, okay. Well, now, well, you put it like that though. That's a that's a lot of potato cakes. A lot of potato cakes. A lot of potato cakes. Okay, so we finally. <laughs> I'm moving back in time. <laughs> a lot of potato cakes. Love them. On Wednesday, the 10th of April, 1912, Titanic's maiden voyage began. So about there was 923 passengers that boarded the Titanic at Southampton. So there was like 179 for first class, 247 for second class, and 494 people for third class. And because there were so many third class passengers, it meant they were actually the first to board, and first and second were sort of led on a little bit later. Um this is what I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, the difference being, like, stewards showed them to their cabins for, like, second and first class. But for first class passengers, they were personally greeted by Captain Smith on boarding. Wow. Which reminds me of uh, our mate, welcome to plane. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you welcomed everyone on. All the first class. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I'm welcome. Captain, I'm Captain welcome. Smith. <laughs> welcome aboard. Hello. Captain, I didn't get my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well... Do you promise? Because I'm not welcoming you twice. <laughs> I've been tricked before. I swear. All right, welcome. Gotcha! <laughs> Throw him off the ship. Matt just comes back with, a, like a, with different glasses on. I was going to say with a moustache, but like he already has a beard. Moustache over your beard. <laughs> Come That's on, I'm a captain, great. Matt. I'm not going to fall for that. That's pretty great. Third class passengers were inspected for uh, for any ailments or physical impairments. By the captain? Not by the captain. He's yeah. already busy welcoming everybody else. Um, because they were, they were concerned that like if, if they were unwell, it would lead to them being refused entry into the United States. Right. And they didn't want to have to bring them back across the Atlantic like these sick dogs. Ugh. Just a free holiday for you, you dog. You dog. Right? So they were like, it's just different. Like the captain's greeting all the first class people and the others are being like checked for ticks. Like... <laughs> Oh. The captain also checked the first class for, for ticks. ticks. Yeah, you yeah. got it. Welcome. Um, Secretly, show me. Yeah, can you strip Stick down? Stick your tongue can out. Just look at the back. The, <laughs> just examine your hair. Oh, nothing. <laughs> no reason. No reason. Normal nautical just, procedure. Just really into hair. <laughs> Thinking of changing profession. Welcome to ship. <laughs> Welcome to ship. <laughs> so the maiden voyage began at uh, at noon. Now they narrowly avoided an accident. Only minutes at later. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, so no. great. So Titanic passed um, another ship as it was like it was moored. So it was the SS City of New York. It's a long ship title. Now the two ships avoided a collision by a matter of about four feet. Four Whoa. feet. Yeah, yeah. So because uh, like a, a, another little tugboat came in and saved the day and like got them out of the way. So was the tugboat smaller than four feet to fit in the middle? Probably. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, uh, so then they arrive uh, in Cork Harbour the next day um, in the south coast of Ireland and they picked up additional passengers. Um, and then they and they took off and they were they were heading westward across the Atlantic. And the first three days of the journey were... They were fine. They were just normal. Everything's going really well. Um, everyone's happy. Everyone's having a good time. No one's got ticks. They did hit some like uh, some weather. There was a some weather. They had some weather. No, ha- weather happened. The weather was happening at all times, which is interesting. I don't know if you if you know that, but they had a bit of weather, but that cleared up, and then everything was everything was going quite well. Um, by the evening of Sunday, the fourteenth of April, it's uh, it's. Really calm. It's very cold, but the 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 water's clear. Everything's calm. Everything's oh, going really well. Nice. Um, now during uh, I've that, got I've got a good feeling. Good good feeling. Everything's going well. They're having a good time. Now during that day, the fourteenth of April, Titanic's radio operators received a couple like six messages from other ships <laughs> warning uh, them of drifting ice. Six. Six well, messages. If I got six messages, I, I I that's my rule in life. I ignore the first six messages, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if I get a seventh. Then I'll take notice. Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? That's a good rule. Yeah. It's a good rule to have. And even passengers on board had begun to notice that there was like a lot of ice in the water around. Um, Now, not all of these messages were relayed by the radio operators. They didn't actually pass that on. They got them. They're like, well, uh, all radio operators on ocean liners were employees of the Marconi company and not members of their ship's crew. So their primary responsibility was to send messages for the passengers and the weather reports were like a secondary concern for them. So oh, so there's no dedicated weather guy. No weather guy. It's a good system. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, okay, the other ships keep telling us that there's heaps of ice, but like... Yeah, uh, can you stop interrupting my messages? I'm busy. Right, so... I'm relaying Lord Caviar's message to his wife in New York. Lord Caviar? Mm-hmm. We just think he was something Factual wealthy. person. Ooh. Lord Caviar. Look, in, look him up. He's not real. Look him up now. No. <sighs> It's so distracting. All right, he's not real. I admit it. But hey! You nearly Googled him. No, all I did was open another tab, okay? So exactly. I bet he does exist. Everyone knows that you open a tab, you've lost the bet. So nonetheless, even though there's, uh, there's lots of ice around and they've been warned, the ship just continues to steam at full speed, which was, to be fair, standard practice at the time. Because um, it wasn't, it's not like they were, as I said before, they weren't focused on speed. It was more about luxury, but um, timekeeping was a priority. Obviously, they need to get there in certain times. So uh, they're just like, no, we'll be fine. And close calls with ice weren't weren't uncommon. Even head-on collisions had not been disastrous. So, so people had smashed into icebergs before? Yeah. Like even in 1907, um, there was a German liner that had rammed an iceberg and still been able to complete her voyage. And Captain Smith himself said at the time that he could not imagine any condition which would cause a ship to founder. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. Oh. <laughs> oh, Smithy. Oh, Smithy. you just gone done jinxed yourself. So the first warning came in about 9am from the RMS uh, Caronia reporting bergs, growlers and field ice. And Captain Smith's like, yep, all right, cool, got that message. Then later in the day, it's like nearly 2 o'clock in the afternoon, there's other reports coming in that there's passing icebergs, large um, quantities of of ice around. And Smith acknowledged that. He's like, yep, cool, no worries, whatever. Still keep going. Then at about uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon... There's a German ship, which was a short distance to the south, reported she had passed two large icebergs. 
This message never reached Captain Smith or the other officers. The reason is unclear, but it may have been forgotten because the radio operators had to fix faulty equipment or just went and got a cup of tea. Either or. Either or. Right, so it's quite late that night. Most passengers had gone to bed. Um, Command of the bridge had passed from 2nd Officer Charles Lightoller to 1st Officer William Murdoch. Um, and there was, a, there was a couple of lookouts there in the crow's nest, so they're literally just standing there in the freezing cold, just staring out into nothing because it's dark. and it's, it's really dark. It's real dark. Um, the air temperature had fallen to near freezing. The ocean was completely calm. Now, um, one of the survivors, a guy called Colonel Archibald Gracie, great name. Um, that's, now, that's a caviar-esque name. Yes. He later wrote that the sea was like glass, so smooth that the stars were clearly reflected. It's now known that such exceptionally calm water is a sign of nearby pack ice. Oh, no. So that's actually a sign it's of a ice. Sign. It's a sign. If it's so still and clear, there's not a single wave or anything, it's a sign that there's ice nearby. So if it's suspiciously calm, there's yeah, a reason yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So isn't that weird? Like, they know that now, but at the time, it's just like, hmm, quiet night. <laughs> Good night for a stroll on a deck. Yeah, and because the air was quite clear, there was no moon, so with the sea so calm, there was nothing to give away the position of any nearby icebergs. Like, they don't even have the moonlight to base it on. Um, and they didn't have uh, they didn't have any binoculars because there was some sort of mix-up at Southampton yes, before I've they heard, left. I've heard that before, oh, that they man. forgot to bring binoculars. Yeah, but apparently they would not have helped anyway. It wouldn't have been that effective in the dark. But, yeah, they didn't have binoculars with them. It just seems pretty dumb. You'd think you'd have binoculars. Yeah. So, yeah. They also think that the boat is unbreakable though, right? Oh, yeah. They're super cocky about it. They're very confident. So, I guess... But you still have to be on the lookout for stuff. But you'd think... like I think the only thing they would be thinking about hitting would be another ship and you'd see those clearly because of all the lights. So, who cares? Mm. Anyway, so at about uh, 11.40 p.m. Oh, this isn't good. We're getting close, I reckon. close. On, on that day, um, Frederick Fleet, who was one of the lookouts, he spotted an iceberg immediately ahead of the Titanic and alerted the bridge. Um, and, and their first officer, William Murdoch, ordered the ship to be steered around the obstacle and the engines to be put into reverse to sort of like back it away or try and avoid it completely. Um, but it was too late. The starboard side, which is the right side <laughs> nice. um, of the Titanic, struck the iceberg, creating a series of holes below the waterline. Now, five of the ship's watertight compartments were breached. Right? So it's kind of like, if you imagine, it's like when you're, you've got a car and you just sideswipe something. Yeah, so they're, yeah, So they're yeah. going to go... Is it right that they were going to go straight into it, but they decided to try and turn... So like it ended up just scraping along the side yeah. and just ripping heaps of holes in exactly. it? Exactly. So it would have been better just to crunch it? Well, I don't think anything... I think some people have said that, like, they... But they always say that in those aircraft investigations, mm-hmm. like, if they put the autopilot back on, they would have been fine. Or if they had turned all the... You know, there's always, yeah, like, a reason. Yeah, there's always like, something. But in reality, come on. And they're going full speed ahead, you know, so it's... And it's still not... I mean, it's still a luxury liner, but it's still going pretty fast. So they've... Yeah. Yeah, so they've they've tried to avoid it. They've hit it. Um, so five... Uh, Wait, what did I say before? Five water Five of the compartments were breached. And it soon became clear that the ship was doomed as she could not survive more than four compartments being flooded. Yeah, isn't that such an Just awful combo? Like Is there, what, extra. 15 or something like that? Something like that. It's like a third of them. If there'd been one less compartment... Yeah. I read that before that they would that have they still have... floated, but it was just enough to be like, no, nah, you're going to sink. Yeah, it was Which just too much. Like, really... So then so... it starts to sink, like, 
front first. Because it's got like watertight doors, right? They can close doors they can, off. They could have sealed off sections, I think, yeah. But five is too many. Five's too many. Right. Too much But then, of course, like the, wheel, the water just starts spilling from compartment to compartment as the angle gets steeper. Oh, because when it's going down. Because as it's going down, just more water's filling further back. Right. So every compartment's getting a bit of water. Basically. This is like as, as it goes on, obviously. But yeah, oh, they're, they're, no. they're already like, ooh, this is not good. But... Do, you think, um, do you think that this put icebergs on the map? Because <laughs> like, uh, do you think this is the big iceberg thing, right? What was iceberg lettuce called before this? Good question. But I, I feel like, I reckon that we would never talk about icebergs if it wasn't for the Titanic. I think that's the one, you know, feel good sort of silver lining out of all this is that it really... Raised awareness. Raised awareness of icebergs. Yeah. I think it, it became a metaphor, you know. For the tip of the iceberg. Tip of the, well, I don't know about tip of the iceberg, but people, you got to look out for icebergs. You know that cliche <laughs> that people say? <laughs> Sorry, Matt, we're not in the maritime industry like Oh, okay, you. yeah, right. Well, we're no, we're I, from the affluent east. Yeah, but you you might hear this in, when you go and, and visit your workers or whatever. <laughs> oh. Create, I know what you richos are like. Mm. I am Lord Caviar. <laughs> he is Lord Caviar. Anyway, okay, I just, I just I'm, think I'm glad we should you're think having about... a good time while people are dying. Well, no one's died yet. That's true. And I've got a good feeling <laughs> that it's all going to turn out. I always barrack, right. even though, you know, the disaster movies and stuff where you know, they're based on real things, you're like, or someone, you know, someone's about to die, you're like, oh, come on. This time, I reckon you, could, you can get out of this. Mm, well. Maybe they can. Oh, thank God. Oh, no. Well, but there's only five of, what, 15 watertight compartments. They'll be fine, They'll right? They'll be fine. So that was at like 11.40 it kind of hit, right? Then about 25 minutes later, Captain Smith ordered the ship's lifeboats to, to be uncovered and passengers to sort of be so mustered. He must be pretty aware straight away that it's not good. Yeah, but he, he was not really great, to be honest. Oh, no. So uh, he also ordered the radio operators to start beginning uh, to, to start beginning to begin sending distress calls, um, which wrongly placed the ship on the west side of the ice belt and directed rescuers to a position that turned out to be inaccurate by about thirteen and a half nautical miles, which is twenty five kilometres. Oh. So they're in the wrong spot. Right, but is anyone even close enough to get to the other spot? Uh, there are there are ships nearby. There are people close enough. Yes. Whether or not they respond to those signals, oh, we'll no. find out. I reckon they do. No, they totes do. Um, so below decks, the water's pouring into the lower level of the ship. As the mail room flooded, the mail sorters made the ultimately futile attempt to save the 400,000 items of mail <laughs> being carried on board. <laughs> oh, boys. They're like, we've got to save the mail. Fuck it. Fuck, Fuck the it. postcards. Fuck them. Right, and above them, the stewards went door to door, which waking up passengers and crew because uh, they didn't have a public address system. Just like a like, attention, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't have one of those. So stewards are just like running along, banging on doors. Sorry to bother you. Um, Terribly sorry. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, carry on, chin chin. Right, and like it's funny too because the thoroughness, um, you know, of mustering all these people really depended on the class of the passengers and not in a malicious way but like first class stewards were in charge of a few cabins right they, right there's only 10 doors to knock on on the top yeah. level and and they whatever they were like you know even helping people get dressed getting their stuff together you know second class had slightly more so they could just sort of you know they could do it a bit easier but with like third class they're just like running through opening doors telling passengers to put on life belts and get upstairs like they they were largely left to their own devices 
after being informed, like, you need to come up to deck, but they nobody was properly informed about anything. In fact, the passengers weren't told the ship was sinking. But do the crew even know the ship's sinking? I don't think anybody the really knows go. what's yeah. happening, no. The passengers weren't told the ship was sinking, so many of them didn't listen to orders because they wanted to stay where it was warm inside the ship. Because yeah, it was zero degrees outside, It was right? freezing, so they didn't go out. They're like, well, no, it's cold out there. We'll stay inside. If only it was a warmer day, that iceberg probably would have melted. <laughs> and this could have all been avoided. <laughs> Thanks, global warming. <laughs> so in terms of uh, lifeboats, right, you'd think that would be fairly imperative? It would be important? Well, yeah. I mean, the word life is in the phrase. The Titanic had 16 sets of davits. That's what I was talking about before, like the cranks, <laughs> to lower the boats. And each were able to handle four lifeboats. So that gave the Titanic the ability to carry up to 64 wooden lifeboats, which would have been enough for 4,000 people, which was considerably more than her full capacity anyway. Right, that's heaps. So that's enough, right? They had heaps. Right. However, the White Star Line decided that only 16 wooden lifeboats and four like collapsible ones would be carried. So that could accommodate uh, about 1,200 people just under, which is only a third of the Titanic's total capacity. But it's not full. It's not full. At the moment. So, so it's close. It's still, more than a third but full. Is, but is it still not quite enough for everyone? still not quite enough. And at the time, the Board of Trade's regulations required British vessels over 10,000 tonnes to only carry 16 lifeboats with a capacity of 990 occupants. So therefore, the White Star Line actually provided more lifeboats than they were legally required. They had more than they were supposed to. And is it true that they could have had more, but they just didn't want to clog, clog the yeah, deck? It was, yeah, it was going to take a bit too much space. So they had room, but it was like, well... But it's unsinkable, remember? It's unsinkable, so you don't really need all of them. And at the time, anyway, lifeboats were intended to just ferry survivors of a sinking ship to a rescuing ship. Like, you'd just go, bloop, there you go, bloop, and you'd go back. It, the um, idea wasn't to keep afloat the whole oh, yeah, population. Stay all night. In stay all water. night, exactly. So it was just going to be little ferry boats like, oh, okay, this boat's having some troubles. We'll just go over to that one. That was the idea. So, oh, yes. so while they did and they like, they had more than they had to, but they still didn't have enough. Um, so at about 20 past midnight, it was 40 minutes after the original collision, the loading of the lifeboats was underway. Um, now, this is where, like, uh, one of the second officers, he recalled afterwards, so he obviously survived, that he noticed Captain Smith standing near the bridge looking out at the ocean in a trance-like daze. And he said to him, I yelled at the top of my voice, hadn't we better get the women and children into the boat, sir? He heard me and nodded. So he's not doing much, he's though. Not he's not really sort doing of, much. like, panicked. Yeah. And so he, he ordered... He ordered the, those... He's probably feeling a little guilty. Well... He didn't put the iceberg there. But anyway, so, but it was interesting because he was like um, really experienced but didn't handle this very well at all. And I, I have more about that later as well. He orders two of the officers to put the women and children in and lower away. But uh, they kind of interpreted the women and children evacuation order differently. So Murdoch took it to mean women and children first, while the other one took it to mean women and children only. Only. So even if it's. So one was sort of letting in a few blokes and the other... there's room for them. Yeah, and the other... But is the other guy putting them in the water? Just kids. So even if there's spots? Yeah. That's... So... so, No, but they're just like filling it full of kids. Well, kids and... No, no. I thought it was women and children and Billy Zane first. (laughs) (laughs) How does he do it? (laughs) 
but that is the thing though. Like, they, some of the boats aren't full. Is that right? Well, it was kind of. It was if like if all this is it. If all nearby women and children had got on the boat and there was a few blokes hanging around and there was seats, they're like, yeah, jump in. So one guy did, but the other guy didn't. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the guy on one side is like letting dudes on. Some dudes, but the other guy is like, there's 60 spots on the boat, but we've only got 40 kids. Oh, let it go. And there's 20 blokes going. Oh, what about me? Most of the boats were not. Even vaguely close to their capacity. Really? Oh my god! Why? Why was? And that was because of that. No, not because of that. Just because they didn't know. But also, some people are scared to get in, right? People are saying. People are outright saying no. They are because you're on a big ship, and you're like, well, people said this, this, this can't sink, and then they don't really understand. The cold water, this tiny wooden ship's going. Some people like, well, I'll take my chances on the big boat, thanks. Which sounds stupid now because we all know how it goes. Because this, the crew hadn't been trained adequately. They hadn't even done a practice run, right? So they didn't know what they were doing. They, those These two guys didn't know how many uh, people could be safely carried in the boats as they were lowered into the water. None of them really knew properly how to, oh how to lower them into the water. They hadn't been trained. Because a lot of the staff sort of came on a few days before the boat took off. So none of them knew what they were doing. And also, like, it's obviously crazy people are screaming and shouting stuff. But I've also read once before that... Um, it's really hard to hear because the the water's filling up, but then there's heaps of steam coming out because yes. it's hitting the engines full of coal and fire. It was so there's incredibly all this loud. <laughs> so you can't really yell at each other and tell each other what to do. I'm just using hand signals. So it's like really. Oh, no, I don't think they. Ha- I can't. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Do they have that in the movie? Yeah, or the they sound? were yelling. Yeah, they they couldn't hear each other very well. Yes, they did have that. Um, so oh, it'd be terrifying. They could have been lowered quite safely with their full. Uh, full capacity of 68 people, um, especially because the the weather conditions were actually quite quite favourable. Like the, oh, because it's not choppy. Not choppy. It's quite, like, and you know, it's it's a good it's a good night for a sinking. You mm. know, like if you're going to sink on any night, this is a good one to do. Right. It. Um, but had this been done, an extra 500 people could have been saved. Instead, hundreds of people, predominantly men, were left on board as lifeboats were launched with many seats vacant. Because they didn't know how many people they should put in the boat. Ugh. Yeah, it's not good. So suppose if you didn't know, you'd be worried that the ropes would snap if it was too heavy. Because you know, they're being yeah, lowered exactly. in yeah, by yeah. that low... What are those things called? A cranks. divot. The cranks. The cranks. The cranks might break. You'd be like, well, there's too many... Christmas the cranks. <laughs> um, that is a movie, isn't it? I think yes. it is. So, and what we were sort of saying before, like some of the third class passengers, they were largely left to just fend for themselves, which caused many of them to become trapped below deck as the ship filled with water. So they weren't locked in. Like, right, like in my memory, they're locked in. Well, they and are I in was, the film, but not in real life. Yeah, yeah. But I was just thinking, like, surely that that's awful if they're locking people to But you drown. know that there was, like, because we sort of said before, there was heaps more third-class passengers than any other class. So there's obviously a lot of people. They're all trying to rush to the one place. It's going to be bottlenecked. It's, it's, they got trapped. Not nice. Um, now, there was distress flares that were filed, uh, fired off every few minutes to attract the attention of any ships nearby, and the radio operators were repeatedly sending distress signals. In fact, the SOS signal was actually new uh, at the time, and one of the operators said to the other, you know, should we use this? And the other replied, maybe your last chance to send it. Ugh. Right, so they're sending out well, all Well, if one of them remember that, one of them survived, right? Oh, good point, good point. <laughs> at least one. Um, so he they're... morse-coded that quote. Yeah, yeah. As he was yeah. going down. I just said to the guy, <laughs> this is your last chance to use SOS. Pretty good, right? SOS, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and I'm gone. And I'm gone. Drops Morse code machine. 
Morse code machine drop. Um, so they're, they're trying to contact other ships. Several responded, of which RMS Carpathia was the closest, which was 58 miles or 93 kilometres away. But she was a much slower vessel than the Titanic, and even after... Uh, even driven at her maximum speed, it would have taken about four hours to reach the sinking ship. But That's not quick enough, is it? It's not quick enough. Um, another to respond was the SS Mount Temple, which set course and headed for Titanic's position, but was stopped en route by, packed, by pack ice. It got stuck itself. Not, you know, not hit, but it was a bit tricky. Um, much nearer was the SS Californian, oh, no. which had warned the Titanic of ice a few hours earlier. So they'd sort of had contact earlier anyway. Um, the captain of the Californium, um, Stanley Lord, he was a bit apprehensive at his ship being caught in large field of drift ice earlier that day. So at about like 10 o'clock at night, they had halted for the night and were waiting for daylight to find their way through the ice when they could see better. Um, and yet yeah, at about 11.30, 10 minutes before the uh, Titanic hit the iceberg, the Californian's radio operator, Cyril Evans shut his set down for the night and went to bed. Ten minutes before they hit. If he'd stayed at his post for 15 minutes longer, hundreds of lives may have been saved. Yep. That's pretty good. So the lifeboats were being lowered every few minutes, the last one being lowered at about 2.05am with 25 people in it. It could hold 40. It was one of the smaller ones. Why aren't more people getting on at the end? Because by that stage, it's clear that it's going down. People were jumping off the ship into boats. People got injured. Like, one woman, like, cracked ribs because this large German guy jumped off the Titanic into the boat and, like, landed on her. Oh, my God. It was mayhem. Was that Billy Zane? It was Billy Zane. <laughs> it was Billy Zane. Um, now, I've got, I've got a little um, uh, section here that I've titled, Captain Smith Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a jingle for that. Captain Smith Whoopsie. <laughs> Now, Captain Smith, as I was saying before, he's an experienced seaman. <laughs> who experienced. Would... <laughs> I get it. He's been around. He's been around. So to speak. Oh. He'd served for 40 years at sea, including 27 years in command. So he, he should... He's no... That sounds like a lot of experience. Like he knows what he's doing, right? How many times has his ship gone down after hitting an iceberg? Because that's oh, the experience countless. you could really... Yeah. That would be really handy right, right now. Come on. Smith, draw from that experience. So what people have said is that he would certainly have known that even if all the boats were fully occupied, a thousand people were going to remain on the ship as she went down, which is like he would have known that even if they were fully occupied, So and they weren't. Um, now, as he sort of, apparently, he sort of became quite paralysed by indecision. Like he'd ordered passengers and crew to muster, but sort of failed to order his officers to put the passengers into the lifeboats. He didn't really organise a crew. He failed to convey crucial information. Uh, he sometimes gave ambiguous or impractical orders and never gave the command to abandon ship. He just kind of like... Oh, oh what? So technically he never called abandon ship? He never called abandon ship. Oh. Which is weird, right? Yeah, real weird. Mm-hmm. Even so- oh, this is this is great. Even some of his bridge officers were unaware for some time after the collision that the ship was sh- sinking. So fourth officer Joseph Boxall didn't find out until one fifteen a.m., which was barely an hour before the ship went down, while their quartermaster, George Rowe, was so unaware of the emergency that after the evacuation had started, he phoned the bridge from his watch station to ask why he'd just seen a lifeboat go past. He didn't know. The crew, the like, crew yeah, high up And they're like know. top crew. They're not they're just top clebs, crew. yeah. Ugh. So he didn't. He didn't advise that his officers that the ship didn't have enough lifeboats to save everyone, 
and he did not supervise the loading of the lifeboats and seemingly made no effort to find out if his orders were being followed. So he's kind of giving like different orders but not really following through with anything. He's just sort of like delegating but not really delegating. So it was a big old mess. So that's, that's his whoopsies. So um, for many years it was generally believed that the sink... The, the, <laughs> the, sink the sink should have had the plug in the whole time <laughs> and it would have saved the boat. For many years, it was generally believed that the ship sank in one piece. Um, however, when it was located years later, and I'll talk about that too, um, it was discovered the ship had fully broken in two. So what sort of happened is the film is actually quite accurate in that um, it starts to sort of go down, front forward, so then the, the bum goes up into the air, and then the pressure from that means it just cracks like in snaps half. snaps in the right. middle. Snaps but in the middle. How do people not know? Didn't people watch it go down from the lifeboats? Or yes. was it dark, too dark for them to see it snapping oh, up? I don't know. You, know. you just said people thought it was one piece. Would have thought that oh, true. Yeah, you would think there would have been witnesses that would have said, no, it snapped in half. But maybe it was too dark. They probably just rode as far as they could away, I would. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't That's you? a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. I'm not really sure. Um, so all the, all the remaining passengers who didn't make it onto the boat, so it's over a 1,000 people still on the Titanic. Which is what? That's a ma- the majority of people. Yeah. Um, they... Uh, they obviously all ended up in the water, whether they jumped into the water, whether they uh, got, sucked, got in. sucked in, whatever it was. They ended up in, in the water, which was a lethally cold temperature of 28 degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus 2 degrees Celsius. Oh. Which is, it's fr- I've never been in water that cold ever. No, God, no. Like, not even close. Now, almost all of those in the water died of cardiac arrest or, or hypothermia. Um, Is it so shocking that it just gives you a heart attack? A lot of them did, yeah. A lot would have a heart attack just because of the shock to the body. Oh, um, that'd be, oh I just kind of... I've, I'm feeling cold thinking about and it. And if you didn't have that, then within about 15 to 30 minutes, you were dead from hypothermia anyway. Imagine lasting 30 minutes. Now, only 13 people... 13 of the of the, the thousands in the water, a thousand in the water, 13 of them were helped into lifeboats. <sighs> yeah, so about... About seven. With all these extra seats. Yeah, yeah, there's heaps of seats. So people were just like rowing through bodies. Please, can I? Sorry, oh, mate. yeah. But, but I don't think they don't go back for them. Is that even in the movie they have that? They talk, we should go back. And they say, they'll swamp the boats. No, they, they do. They do go back. But many of them? Only a couple of boats go back. And it's and... Like too late by then, is it? Okay, so. Oh, sea of bodies would be awful, wouldn't it? That's in the movie. That bit's really distressing, actually. Okay, here, yeah. it is, here it is. Here it is. See him um, floating. Yeah, please. Because that's yeah, that's kind of what I was I was getting to anyway. Because uh, about seven hundred and ten people survived, and fifteen hundred didn't. Oh, that's two thirds. Yeah. So only uh, only a few of those in the water did survive. Among them were Archibald Gracie, who we mentioned before. Um, Which one was he again? He was the uh, he was the guy who said. Who later wrote that the clear water oh, right. was a sign of so, ice? He, he, he survived was, from the water. From the water, so he got into the water. So I think they um, it, the way they kind of make it sound is that there was a capsized, collapsible boat. I don't really understand what the collapsible boats oh, are. I'm so a collapsible boat, it's like a a portable boat. I think it's got canvas sides. Right. Okay. okay. So you have to build it, but then they don't know how to build it. Yeah. So, so he's, I think even one of them floats off the deck when it goes down, ah. and then people. 
jump into it. Well, that's pretty much exactly they, what like, happened. They swim into it, but then it's not a proper boat because it's not built. Well, that's exactly what they're that's... doing. So there's there's a handful of them that have found one of these collapsible boats, and that's sort of how they survived. Oh, but uh, yeah, but imagine that you've if you've been in the water. Even if you get out of the water, yeah. Yeah. it's not warm enough to keep you. And this is it. So get what you dry? What mm. Matt was just saying is that um, so there's a few of them. There's maybe like twenty, thirty people in in this boat, and they've realised the risk to the boat of being swamped by the mass of swimmers around them. So they just paddle slowly away, ignoring the pleas of dozens oh of gosh. swimmers to be allowed on board. Oh, see, that's one of those things where, like, that sounds awful, but maybe, maybe if you so. had done it, then you'd all drown. Yeah. And here's an... If you had stopped and... F- that's something you'd never forget, though, right? No, the pleas of people. I don't, th- I don't know. No, but get this. So he later wrote um, that he had admiration for those in the water because... This is a quote from him. In no instance, I'm happy to say, did I hear any word of rebuke from a swimmer because of a refusal to grant assistance. One refusal was met with the manly voice of a powerful man. All right, boys, good luck and God bless you. That's not true. (laughs) Why would he make that up? I guess just to make himself sound like... He sounds like a total dick for leaving people behind. So why would he make up a story about them being quite calm about it? He made that up. I thought that was kind of brutal. It would be... It'd be so brutal. Crushing. Yeah. That he took it so well. It'd be yeah. easy to be like, look... All right, chaps. Carry yeah, on. Yeah, they're like, no, let me in, you bastard. But if he's like, all right, see ya. All right, I'll try these other guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Backstrokes over next. the <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Butterflies. Butterfly strokes, <laughs> yes. So after about 20 minutes, the cries began to fade as the swimmers lapsed into unconsciousness and death. So they just had to put up with 20 minutes of whinging and then everybody died. So it was fine. Um, I know. It's awful. Can you imagine that? Like the screaming would be bad enough, but then imagine when it stopped. Oh, yeah. Oh, told you this episode was a bit dry. Um, It's not dry. It's just fucking dark. It's super dark. very wet. Yes. (laughs) Because of all the water. Cold. Cold and wet, Jess. You're way off the mark again. (laughs) Now, 5th Officer Lowe, who was in charge of lifeboat number 14, waited until the yells and shrieks had subsided for people to thin out before mounting an attempt to rescue those in the water. Oh. So it's like, just let most of them die off, and then yeah. whoever's left will try and pick up, which is awful. So he t- gathered together about five of the lifeboats, uh, transferred people around to free up some space, and then took a crew of about seven crewmen and, and a passenger who volunteered to help, and they rowed back to the side of the sinking. So they did go back, um, and that took about three-quarters of an hour. By the time it headed back to the side of the sinking, almost all of those in the water were dead, and only a few voices could still be heard. So they waited for people to die and then took another half hour to, to like... Sort themselves out. And That's then my rule back. of thumb as well. Wait for people Wait to die. Wait for people to die and then give it another half hour. <laughs> oh, otherwise, you'll get a stitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, Dave. Oh. That's eating and swimming. Oh, yes. Oh, fuck. Not waiting Shit, for people that... to die. Logue, Logue was thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, it is hard to judge, though, isn't it? It's so hard. Like, it's not a situation that we could possibly imagine. But um, I definitely would have been heroic in that situation. Yeah, you would have said, all right, boys, have a good one. <laughs> Take my my spot. That's what I would have said. Yeah, you would have said that. Billy Zane. Not even to a woman or child. It would have been to a Billy Zane. Yeah. Yeah, There you go, mate. Hello, Mr. Zane. (laughs) Hello, little fella. I'd be sitting next to Billy Zane and I'd I'd notice that he's just a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, 
I'm jumping in. You can put your feet up on my chair. Good on you, mate. <laughs> you just splash in. Put your feet up, Governor. And you just dive in. Yeah. Put the swimming cap on. A yeah. very graceful dive, I imagine, yeah. as well. No, uh, no splash. Because <laughs> you landed on a frozen body. Yeah. <laughs> a 10 out of 10 dive. <laughs> right, okay. So a couple of hours after the uh, the Titanic had gone down... Um, they were rescued, the survivors. Um, Who would have been fucking cold as well? So, well, more people had died. Like, more people in the boats were dying just from hypothermia. Like, it's freezing. And they're shitty boats too, right? They're not great. Like, some of them have water in them. And and a couple of them, like, they had to stand up to try not to, like, wobble the boat because the the weather conditions turned a little bit and it got a little bit choppier. So one boat had to stand just to stay afloat. So people were falling in and dying anyway. Yeah, right? just because you're in the boat, you wouldn't be sure that you're going to live. Not, You'd still be like, mate, I've made it off the, that big boat, but there's oh. still a challenge here. So it's about 4am and the RMS Carpathia finally arrived. They had like steamed through the night at high speed. It was a considerable risk, actually. And the ship had had to dodge... Oh, yeah, numerous they could have icebergs hit, hit themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they it was it was a huge risk, but they were just they were gunning for it. Um, so as the lifeboats were brought alongside Carpathia, the survivors came aboard the ship by various means. So some were strong enough to climb up rope ladders, others were hoisted up in slings, children were hoisted up in mail sacks. And is this in the dark? Is it about four a.m. or four yeah. five a.m.? So yeah, it's it's quite dark. And at about nine a.m., two more ships appeared on the scene: um, the Mount Temple and the Californian which had finally learned of the disaster when her radio operator returned to duty. Well, oh, what a beautiful night's sleep. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. What? Whoops-a-daisy, you fuckhead. Didn't but, you see how fireworks? But by then there were no more survivors to be rescued, obviously, um, other than the ones that had already made it onto the lifeboats. Um, Carpathia had, be, had been bound for what's now known as Croatia, um, but they didn't have the stores of medical facilities to cater for the survivors, so they ordered the ship to turn around and go back to New York to get the survivors from Titanic back to get um, properly looked after. That's kind of nice, I guess. Um, now, what was I was saying before, like the number of casualties uh, is is unclear due to a number of factors. So, like the the confusion over the passenger list. Um, some people had cancelled their trip last minute, so they don't, they didn't really even know exactly how many people were on the boat. But they, uh, the death toll has been put at between 1,490 and 1,635 people. So wow. let's say 1,500 people. It's a big difference though, isn't it? It's a, a pretty lot big of people difference. Unaccounted for. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Which is like, it's so strange. Like today, yeah, it's like, everyone's uh, accounted for. Yeah, either 10% either way. You're like, whoa. Yeah, weird. Would have been a great opportunity to steal someone's identity. <laughs> yeah. And That's go what Rose start did. a new life in America. Oh, did she? Well, she changed her name. To Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane. Really? I don't yeah, remember that Massive bit. plot twist. Yeah. She gives Jack's last name as her last name. Oh. Because he's gone. And she didn't want to marry Billy Zane. Right. Which is fair. Um, so fewer than a third of the total aboard Titanic survived the disaster. Oh. Some survivors died shortly afterwards. Um, like we were sort of saying before, injuries and effects of exposure. Several of those died while they were on the Carpathia. Well, I keep saying that right. Yeah, Carpathia, Carpathia. that's right, yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of sad as well. Um, only 3% of the first-class women were lost. 54% of those in third-class had died. So more than half of the third-class passengers died. Oh, wow. Um, similarly, five of six first-class and all second-class <coughs> children survived. 
Um, but 52 of the 79 in third class perished. Oh. Yeah. They wouldn't have taken so up much space on lost, the boats either. They only lost yeah. one of the first class kids, but 52 of the 79. The difference by gender were even bigger, so nearly all female crew members, first and second class passengers were saved. Men from first class died at a higher rate than women from the third class. So even when... Oh, so even if you're a rich man... You'd, yeah, it's still ladies first. All right, getting on the boat. See you never, boys. Just another example of women, 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 and women winning. Women winning. Women. God, when will it end? When will this tyranny end? Hopefully, never. Jess is a winner at all times. Good at jingles today. At all times, when, when ships are going down. Yeah. All right, we're nearly done. Yeah, that's right. The one caveat. So, Carpathia took three days to reach New York after leaving the scene of the disaster, and her journey was slowed by pack ice, fog, bad weather. Oh, that would um, be a long three days if you'd been on the Titanic. Huge three days. And you'd be scared of boats by then. Yeah, well, you'd see more ice and go, no, You'd no. be so convinced that something was going to go wrong. It was not good. However, obviously, um, because of the, uh, the technology, they were able to pass news to the outside world by wireless about what had happened. But the initial reports were confused, um, leading the American press to report that uh, the Titanic had been towed to port by the SS Virginia. Virginian. Oh, that's so like, oh, it's so fine. Wrong. It's that so, is wrong. so wrong. It's not even, yeah, it's like, no, it's the opposite. It's gone. Um, so later that day, like, they confirmed all the news. Um, it, it hit hardest in Southampton because um, people suffered the greatest losses from that sinking because, like, four out of every five crew members came from that town. Like, not a lot of the crew was from there. So they had it, they, they were. Pretty hard hit by it. Um, Carpathia docked at 9.30pm on the 18th of April at New York's Pier 54 and was greeted by about 40,000 people waiting in the rain to like, you know, greet the boat, I guess. Greet feels weird when it's quite Hi, tragic. Yeah, do you reckon people were cheering? And... Hi, boat. Either boat. Hey, boat. Now, immediate relief... Um, in the form of clothing and transportation to shelters was provided by the Women's Relief Committee, the Travellers' Aid Society of New York and the Council of Jewish Women. Again, women looking out for each other. Among other organisations, they they had all this relief there for them. Um, So Carpathia was uh, hurriedly restocked with food and provisions before it resumed resumed its journey and uh, and her crew were given a bonus of a month's wages by uh, Cunard, their... (laughs) Because it was a it was a Cunard ship that came and saved the day. Oh, um, which is the arrival? The arrival as a reward for their actions, they were, they were given a bonus month's wage, and some of the Titanic's passengers, probably first class, we assume, joined together to give them an additional bonus of about nine hundred pound, which is about eighty thousand pound to be divided amongst the crew. So as a thank you for you know saving them and looking after them, they yeah wow they took it out of their own pocket to give them some money, which is which is kind of nice, I guess. Um, so I do have a, a little tab here that I've called fun facts because you know I love fun facts. However, I don't know how fun they're going to be, obviously. But um, let's have a look. Do you have the one about the pig lady? I don't have the one about the pig lady. Can you tell us that? All right. I love this story. There's this lady. Um, looked like a pig. It looked like a pig. And she was saved because of her piggy-like looks. <laughs> now, there's a lady in first class called uh, Edith Rosenbaum. And um, she was 33 years old, and she had, like, a, this lucky toy pig. Oh. oh. I was hoping it was a real pig. Yeah, so it was a toy was pig, and if you pig, pull, pull the tail... Losing interest. 
Have you pulled a tail that makes a noise, like it sang a song or oh. made some sort of Sounds noise? Sounds really annoying. And uh, she and was she on... Died. So she was in first class. So she, <laughs> well, she, she nearly did. She was on um, on the deck and they had the the lifeboats there and people telling her, get in, get in, get in. She was saying, no, I don't want to. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. And uh, she was holding her toy pig and someone thought it was a baby. <gasps> and they went, fine, well, if you're not going to save your baby, I will. And they grabbed the pig and threw it in the boat. And because she loved the pig so much, she went, no, and jumped after it. And then she got it in the boat and uh, she survived just because someone threw her toy pig into the, into they the boat. Threw a baby. What they thought was a baby yeah, into like a boat. Yeah, like threw it to someone else. Like, there you go. And she's like, oh my God, and out, of, out of instinct. Um, and at yeah. no point from picking up the toy pig to throwing it did he go, hang on. This That's not a baby. That feels a mushy. bit more. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on on the deck at that time. And, uh, oh, and, good point. and then she used the. The pig um, to sort of distract the children in the in the lifeboat from the oh, wow. distresses the going, actual children going right. on around them. She actually used the pig, and then this later on, this became like a big story. And uh, she later on in her life married a pig. <laughs> <laughs> no, she appeared on a bunch of talk shows with the pig. You kidding? It became like a big big thing, and then there's it's in like some sort of Wait. Titanic museum. Does this somewhere. exist on on YouTube? What talk shows on the radio? Yeah, all sorts of stuff. No kidding. And she lived very long. She lived a long life. And she's known as the Pig Lady. No, no, just that's what Dave. That's what I referred to her as. Wow. Her name is Edith Rosenbaum. That is really interesting. Yeah, if you look her up, there's. I'll I'll tweet out a picture of the pig. Yes, please. Yeah, there's, and uh, it's you can go see it in a museum. But I just love that story. She wouldn't. She only lived because of her. She's a thirty-three-year-old woman that lived because she had a toy pig. Toy pig, uh. get a life, you dumb bitch. Ooh, sorry. hang on, hey, wait, sorry, sorry. wait, oh, wait, sorry, wait. Jess hasn't turned on anyone this episode. Yeah, so. I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> been busy doing the report. I can't, can't. I don't laugh as much or feel happiness. Yeah. When it's my turn. It's anyway, wait, isn't it? The report. Few fun facts. Uh, do you remember this part in a film? That's actually uh, that is actually true. The Titanic had two separate bands of musicians. I kind of mentioned the musicians before. So one was a quintet led by Wallace Hartley that played after dinner and at religious services, while the other was a trio that played in the reception area and outside the cafe. And the two bands had uh, separate musical libraries and arrangements, and they'd not played together before. But around 30 minutes after colliding with the iceberg, the two bands were called by Captain Smith, who ordered them to play in the first class lounge, like just play some music. Keep right, it. so the guy that's making no decisions at all is like, you know what, the first class lounge needs music. Exactly, that was his first priority. But he priority. hasn't said anything about abandoning ship. His first priority was like, well, we better play some bloody music. Right, so they, uh, the, the musicians, like, we don't know exactly when, but a bit later they kind of moved to the deck level and, and were playing music outside on the deck while the ship's going down. As it's depicted in the film, that's true. And they died, all of them died? They all died. Oh. Isn't that so strange and kind of beautiful? Now, part of this uh, folklore about that story, though, is that the musicians played the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. Oh, yes, I've got a story about that. Do you? Well, my grandma once told me that many years ago, she's 90 years old now, so probably 60 years ago mm. she was at a new year's eve party she went to the party with her husband and then my who's my grandfather and his business partner and they owned a chemist together and they went to this new year's eve party and then they drove home that night and it was like um like the driver was driving so fast and she was so scared because in on the car radio 
the song Nearer My God to Thee and she knew that they played that when the Titanic went down and she was terrified for her life. Thought it was a sign. Thought it was a sign like this is it. And then when she got the next day, the business partner came around and said, morning, Leslie, to my grandmother, her name is Leslie, and and said, oh, did you... Did you drive home last night? I can't remember. And she was like, no, you drove home. <gasps> He'd been, she had no idea, but he was so off his face. <laughs> he had no, he couldn't remember driving home. And they oh, had the Titanic spooky. song. Oh, my God. So, yeah. so that's why I remember that song, Near My God to Thee, because she said, yeah, the song they were playing when the Titanic went down. Well, I was like, oh, my God. Maybe we need to tell Leslie that they, uh, this is a bit up in the air. I, I don't actually think it was what they were playing because they were told to play sort of um, upbeat music. And it's quite a somber hymn, isn't it? Like it's a yes. So um, yeah. So it might not have been that song, but it is very closely associated with it. So um, and, and, and that's it, why she would have heard totally. It. My grandma is not old enough to remember the Titanic. No, but it is so closely related, or, or sorry, so closely associated with the Titanic disaster that its opening bars were carved onto the grave monument of Titanic's bandmaster Wallace Hartley, who who oh. did pass away. So on his grave, they had the opening bars of that song. So. Even if they weren't playing it, it's, it is associated with it. So that's ugh. fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. Ship- no, but it is very. It's extremely brave of those musicians to play the music as the ship's going down. Yeah. What would you to do? To try and yeah, calm people know. down. Yeah. It's very brave. What song would you play? Na 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 Everyone's doing the actions, mm-hmm. even in the lifeboat. <laughs> yeah. You can't help it. Keep something, warm. something that keeps you happy. Oh, I know what I do. I know what I do. I know. I know. I, I mean, I assume I'd have my ukulele with me, and I would sing. Here's a little song I wrote. <laughs> Might want to sing it. Not for not. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. What would you play, Matt? Yeah, I guess. Matt, try to be sad right now. It's hard when I feel so damn good. You can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I wonder what would you. It would either be something happy like that, or it'd be something you know, taking the piss out of like six months in a leaky boat or something. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. Just spent six months in In a leaky leaky boat. Great. Another clapper. (laughs) Get the people clapping. (laughs) You can't be sad when you're clapping. No. Hey, bit of a whistle and a clap. Yeah. You're all good. Oh. And a click. And a click. Um, now, the ship's designer, what was his name, Dave? Thomas Andrews. Very good. Mr. Made him, made him write Thomas it down. Andrews. Um, he was reportedly last seen in the first class smoking room, having removed his life belt, staring at the painting above the fireplace. Just oh. having a drink, staring at the painting. So he's having a drink and a smoke. Mm hmm. Something like that was in the movie as well, I yes. reckon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that exact thing where he's he's just um, by himself looking at the painting. And Captain Smith's fate is unclear as well. Um, there's sort of conflicting accounts of his death. He either entered the wheelhouse on the bridge and died when it was engulfed, which is what's portrayed in the film. That's the movie, the, water, the wall he of water just comes in, in doesn't just, it? It's um, probably the way to do it. Or he jumped into the water just before the bridge was submerged and drowned anyway. Let's go with... Uh, I reckon he survived. The first one's way more romantic. Yeah, he had yeah. a... Because w- people didn't see him because he was at the barber, the big barber shop getting a beard shaved off. <laughs> yeah, to try and Starting look Starting a new life in America. Gotta look good. Um, now, there's stories the of... caviar. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's stories of um of you know husbands walking their wives to the the boats and be like no it's fine you hop in I'll get in another one it's fine it's right. just it's protocol women and children first you go I'll be fine Ugh. right but other couples refuse to be separated um Ida Strauss who was the wife of Macy's department store co-owner uh Isadore Strauss she told her husband we've li- we've been living together for many years where you go I go and they sat down in a pair of deck chairs and waited for the end. Oh, oh no. And this is pretty great. The industrialist Benjamin Guggenheim changed out of his life vest and sweater into a top hat and evening dress and declared he wished to go down with the ship like a gentleman. Oh. Um, so many charities were set up to help the victims and their families, many of whom lost their sole breadwinners because obviously so many men um, so many men died. Or in the case of many third-class survivors, they everything they owned, they lost everything. So um, on the 29th of April, there was a couple of opera singers, uh, Enrico Caruso and Mary Garden, and disappointing name after a cool name like oh, Enrico Caruso. and Mary. Um, and members of the Metropolitan... Uh, opera raised twelve thousand dollars, which uh, in two thousand and fourteen would have been two hundred and ninety-two thousand dollars. So it was a lot of money. They raised a lot of money in benefit for victims of the disaster by giving a special concert in which versions of Autumn and Never My God, Nearer My God to Thee were part of the program. So there was sort of two songs that were right. rumored to have been played. Soundtrack to my grandma's life. Oh. Now the first film about the disaster, Saved from the Titanic, was released. 29 days after the ship sank. What? Are you serious? <laughs> that is ridiculous. The facts would not be known at all by that stage. And it had an actual survivor as its star. And it ended with the ship being towed to port. <laughs> now that, yeah, that's right, because I thought that was... The 29 one. days. And it had a survivor as the star. Yeah, she was a silent film actress called Dorothy Gibson. That is a fun fact. Isn't that ridiculous? 29 days after. Now, the British film A Night to Remember, which was uh, done in 1958, is still widely regarded as the most historically accurate movie. Even um, more than of the sinking. James Cameron. Yes. And the most financially successful, obviously, by far, has been James Cameron's Titanic, which is in 97, which became the highest grossing film in history up to that time. I think there's only one now that's topped it, and I don't remember what it was. It's was Avatar. It Avatar. So it's him as well. Yeah, he's right. the top two. Um, that's crazy. And it, it won 11 Oscars at the 70th Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director for him. So... Uh, so that's okay then to lose to yourself. That's fine. Oh, but at the time it was they thought it was going to be a massive disaster. It was big too, too big Avatar to fail. or Titanic. Titanic. They thought it was going to be two hundred fifty million. I think it was the most expensive film ever made at that time, and there were rumours that it was awful, and that he was absolutely horrible to deal with as a director. I still hear that. And people yeah. were worried that it was going to ruin Warner Brothers. They thought it was going to actually take them under. Yeah, but so do you know speak. what though? Like, I think because they focused on the the romance. It it saved it. If it was just a story about like, no, here we are on a ship, toot toot. Oh wait, we're dead. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if they did that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think toot toot, we're dead was pretty good. That's the sub Titanic in brackets. Toot toot, we're dead. Um, a number of expeditions were mounted to find Titanic, but it wasn't until the first of September, nineteen eighty-five, that a Franco-American expedition led by Robert Ballard succeeded. Nineteen eighty-five. That is a long time. So there for 70 years and no one touched it or knew it was there. They only found it just then. And many artifacts from the Titanic have been recovered uh, from the seabed. Um, 
by RMS Titanic Inc., which is a company that exhibits them in touring exhibitions around the world and in a permanent exhibition. Now, if you were going to have an exhibition permanently dedicated to the Titanic, where would you put it? Belfast. Belfast may be a good option because New York that's where it was City. built. Is that New where York, that's where heading? it was going. Uh, South End, where it maybe yes, where it took off from, do you reckon? Yeah. What about Vegas? <laughs> 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 On the other coast of North America. Yeah, in the middle of the desert. So um, it has a lot of connections to the sea. Really? Classy. Yeah, it's in Vegas. The Luxor Las Vegas Hotel. Hang on. At the Luxor? At the Luxor. Which is the Egyptian-themed. Yeah. That's the one that's shaped like a giant pyramid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Egypt slash Titanic 1912. Isn't that great? Oh, no. That's weird. That's my final fun fact. Was that a good one? That's that is really fun because it is so stupid. <laughs> It's so dumb. So, yeah, Viva Las Vegas. So yeah, that was my report on the Titanic. Oh my god, what an epic tale told in epic proportion. That was a report, people. That was great. That was really great, Jess. The pod episode is too big to fail. <laughs> yeah, too big to fail. I'm just going to keep saying about everything. What else you got? Try and flood five of our 15 compartments on this episode. Can't do it. If you think about it, how long did it take to sink the Titanic? Only a couple of hours. A couple of hours. If you, this episode, if you think about what you were doing at the start, when you started listening to this episode, listener, until this point, that's mm. about how long it took. Fuck. Bloody quick, isn't it? Bloody quick. Hey, life. It's fleeting. It is fleeting. Yeah. Thank, thank you for Don't spending your life listening to us. Yeah, thanks for us. listening to this, guys. If you made it this far, I do appreciate that a lot. Obviously, you like the show, so get in contact. Tweet us at DoGoOnPod. Do go on pod at gmail.com or on Facebook. Do go on pod where we are there. Let us know where you're from. The That's three ways. Yeah, step one, yeah. tell, if you are from anywhere other than Australia or if you're in a remote part of Australia, that'd be fun to know where you are. Anywhere not Wait, Melbourne. You, oh, no, just what, let us know regardless. Yeah, you, what are you guys turning on Melbourne for? No, but I if you're listening Melbourne. on Fraser Island or something, like, oh, cool. But Melbourne, what if you say I'm listening you, at why can't Coles you just let us finish? Paran? Why can't you just let us finish? <laughs> if you're listening in Coles Paran, tweet us an idea. We want topic ideas. Uh, we'd like to thank... T- what was this person that tweeted this one? Cormac. Cormac? At Asphalt. Aromatic Herbs. Aromatic Herbs. We'll retweet that tweet where it all began. Where it all began. Yeah, thanks, Cormac. Yeah, so get in contact any of the ways. You know the stuff now. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back with a brand new fresh report next week. Do you guys have anything else to say? Um, yeah, just keep it, keep, keep it, keep it in your pants, mate. <laughs> hey, that's advice. <laughs> That is advice <laughs> that they've been giving out since the Titanic in 1912. So I'm really glad. Uh, <laughs> We'd like to uh, dedicate this episode I to the memory the of uh, Billy Zane. The bucket uh, got through unscathed as well. You didn't use the bucket. How do you feel, Matt? Do you feel better now having heard th- Did that, I that save tragic you? story? Yeah, it was a, a sweet distraction. I fixed you, right? Yeah. Hooray! I'm fixed. Okay. Transfixed. More like it. <laughs> Alright guys, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. Or you hear from us next week. Bye. Bye. Laters. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.